That was terrible. Welcome That's to cool. Kind of Funny's Halloween interview. I feel like every week I'm always like, wow, Carter Harrell and Cameron Kennedy have outdone themselves. But like once again, truly outdoing themselves. Cameron physically did that. He got a real pumpkin that he really carved and then really made it burn over time and filmed oh it to make that. So that is dedication. Taking the That's VFX insane. to wow. SFX. You got to love it so much. Shout out to, to Cameron Kennedy. Of course, Carter Harrell killing the music. Carter Kennedy from now on. If they started, yeah. if they started the like, a, like, a, yeah, like an advertising agency in the 50s, it would be Carter Kennedy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is kind of funny's Halloween in review where we are going to be ranking and reviewing the new Halloween canon. I know it gets confusing. There are, in fact, 11 Halloween movies right now. Next week, there will be 12 and next year there will be 13. But we are only going to be doing Halloween 1978, Halloween 2018 and Halloween kills until next year when we do Halloween ends, which I'm very excited about as well, because uh, we're, we're trying to keep it canon. We're trying to keep it straight. A fun fact. There are now three movies uh, in the Halloween franchise that are named simply Halloween because we have the original 78. We have the Rob Zombie reboot. And now we have we have the 2018 sequel. So, hey, this isn't confusing at all. It's fine. And Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, I'm getting ahead of myself here, but I'm going to do it anyways. Jamie Lee Curtis has played Laurie Strode in films released in six different decades from the 70s to the 2020s. The first film, Halloween 2, Halloween H2, 20 years later, Halloween Resurrection, Halloween, and Halloween Kills. Taking place across the decades. You love to see it. You truly love to see it. I know I love to see it. I am Tim Geddes, and we are joined by, of course, it is Christmas in October. Joey Noel. I just want to say that before that, we started talking about some disaster movies. I can't believe that you guys are just hating on Deep Impact. It's not that we're hating on it. good. No, it's It's, not that we're hating on it. It's a good, it's a, it's a, it's it's a serviceable film. But when when you're putting it next to Armageddon, it's the company it keeps. It's the company it keeps. It's just, it's just, sorry. It's, it's, it's like a, an LA, you know, an, an LA six is like 10 anywhere else, you know, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That's what, that's Armageddon what we're dealing with. is just with. that hot mess. It's that hot mess that you want to yeah. come into your life and just screw everything up. Of yeah. course, that voice you hear is the producer slash producer, Nick Scarpino, who uh, was the one that did in fact refer to fans of Deep Impact as the Deep Impactors, which, <laughs> <laughs> or Impactors for short. Thank you, Tim. I'll take it right. up from here. Yeah. Uh, I just want to throw this out there. This is my question for you guys. Growing up, what was your touchstone to Jamie Lee Curtis? Did you guys have one? Because to me, it was never. I was never a Halloween fan, so I knew I knew her from like Trading Places, A Fish Called Wanda, and like of course then uh, True Lies, which True is Lies. the movie that I yeah. really remember her from. So mm-hmm. seeing her and hearing that fact from Tim, like oh she's been in this in these movies for six decades, I'm like that's mind blowing to me. Oh yeah, it's this for me for sure. Probably Wanda for me. Uh, mine is Trading Places for sure. I, I remember watching or Trading Places, but then also I remember like I think I watched that and True Lies in the same week. I think I saw True oh, Lies. That's a great double feature. I think I watched True Lies, and then my dad was like, we got to watch Trading Places. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was insane. Mine, mine's somewhere between fast. this and My Girl. Mm. Oh, oh my yeah. Girl. My Girl's what was, great. She was yeah. in My Girl? Oh, yeah, she was Dan Aykroyd's Stepmom. like girlfriend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She, was, it, like, she did it. all the makeup on all the dead bodies. Mm-hmm. Well, those voices you've been hearing, of course, are James and Elise Willems, who will be joining us for this Halloween interview. Hey, can I just say I, one of my favorite things is when Joey uses her intro as a soapbox to give her <laughs> make a statement about something that happened before recording. Mm-hmm. Um, uh-huh. And so I just want to use this as my soapbox to 
elevator soapbox. Thank you, thank you. Feel free to filibuster too if you want to take it for the next two or three hours. Go for it. Yeah. And Joey is just joining us for funsies because she wanted to to be a part of the conversation to watch the Halloween movies. She wanted to get in the spooky mood. So she's not going to be voting on this one. The votes will be me, Nick, James, Elise, and the weapons arbiter, Chris Anka. Kevin, I wore this hat for you. <laughs> oh my god, it's a brimless? A brimless hat. Holy shit, he did it! Hey, I hate it. I hate we it. Literally I hate that Kevin... Chris, we're the future. No, dude, they're really cool. It's like a structured beanie. It's nice. Gotta structured love it. beanie. Just call it a beret and be done with it. Like I was saying, this is Kind of Funnies in Review, where each and every week we rank and review two different movies. Uh, This week, we're doing Halloween right now. And then later in the week, we're returning to James Bond in Review with James Bond, No Time to Die. The first movie to get delayed due to the pandemic. We were doing in review leading into that release, and then everything got derailed. So it's going to be nice to finally check that off the list. And then next week, we're going full on Halloween, everybody. Uh, First, we're going to do Halloween 2018. And then at the end of the week, we are doing Halloween Kills, which I'm really excited about because James and Elise are actually going to come up to watch it in theaters with us. So that is very exciting. Very cool. And they're going to be recording from Kevin's house. <laughs> we'll see. Awesome. But I'm excited about it. Uh, you can get the show on YouTube.com slash kind of funny or roosterteeth.com. If you want to get it as a podcast, just search your favorite podcast service for kind of funny in review. And we'll be right there for you. If you wanted to get the show ad free, you can go to patreon.com slash kind of funny, just like our Patreon producers molecule and joining the ranks, a new one for you. Pranksy. Pranksy. Oh, Pranksy. Oh, that's you, Pranksy. Thank you for all of the support today. We're brought to you by stamps.com, but I'll talk to you about that later because we got to get into it. We're talking about Halloween. Uh, like I was saying, there are 11 films in this franchise, which is crazy, but the current canon is Halloween 1978, Halloween 2018, and then the upcoming kills and ends. So that's what we're sticking with here. The original script titled the movie The Babysitter Murders and had the events taking place over the space of several days. Uh, It was a budgetary decision to change the script to have everything happen on the same day. Doing this reduced the number of costume changes and locations required, and it was decided that Halloween, the scariest night of the year, was the perfect night for this to happen. All fantastic choices, if I can say. Can I just chime in and say that I feel like most decisions were budgetary decisions? (laughs) That was one, but I feel like just watching it again, First time in a long time, I was like, I feel like most of these decisions are budgetary decisions. I have a lot of facts about that, actually. A lot of really, really fun stuff for you. So the runtime is one hour and 31 minutes. You'll love to see it. I love that hour and a half mark Mm -hmm. for movies. Can we just go back to that? Can we just stick to that? You got everything you got to say in that time frame. Uh, It was released on October 15th, 1978. Uh, It was shot in 20 days, just 20 days stem to stern in the spring of 1978 uh funny fact about that though is it's really hard to get pumpkins in the spring yeah (laughs) so they struggled they struggled (laughs) hard um the opening pov sequence itself took two days to film uh and that like was the most uh intense thing that they had to do for the the whole thing and was very difficult two out of 20 days is a lot uh and it appears to be a single tracking point of view shot but there are actually three cuts The first when the mask goes on, the second and third after the murder has taken place and the shape is exiting the room. Uh, This was done to make the point of view appear to move faster. Uh, In terms of days of shooting and stuff, Donald Pleasance, who is Loomis in this, did all of his scenes in only five days of shooting. Another example of just being in, being out and done with it. Uh, The duration by this bush. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now that bush, you know, walk down the street yeah, kind yeah. of slowly, make bizarre choices. You got to love it. Uh, this was directed by John Carpenter. Carpenter is generally recognized as one of the greatest masters of the horror genre. Most films of his career were initially commercial and critical failures, with the notable exceptions of Halloween, The Fog, Escape from New York, and Starman. However, many of his films from the 70s and 80s have come to be considered cult classics, and he's been acknowledged as an influential filmmaker. The cult classics that he has directed include Dark Star, Assault on Precinct 13, The Thing, Big, Big Trouble in Little China, that's for you, Nick, they live in the mouth of madness, and then he returned to the Halloween franchise as both composer and executive producer for the 2018 Halloween. And like I just said there, he also composed the music for this franchise, which is just too damn good. It's too OP. And uh, John Carpenter composed the score in just four days, and God, did they make use of it. That thing is relentless in this movie. <laughs> it's great. It is great in how simple and almost... It's one of those where you're like, you want to talk about relatable, James? I feel like... we two days of tutorials on uh, in garage band for me i oh, could yeah. knock the score out of the park <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it works uh, though and i think he did oh, that for a lot of them too like mm -hmm. a lot of his other movies he, he did the score for including i believe big trouble trying to hit some stuff on that too and he just has that really fun synth style that would that that just he makes work one mm -hmm. way or the other uh this movie had a budget i want y'all to guess what was the budget of this movie? I'm going to abstain. I know it. I saw it in oh, Eight million dollars. Chris, Chris Anka, what do you I'm, guess? I think I read it in chat as well. So I'll okay. Abstain. No, no, no. James. All right. I'm going to say $190,000. Oh, jeez. Close. Undercutting it. $300,000. Okay. Halloween was made for $300,000. That is insane because all of the actors wore their own clothes since there was no money for a costume department. <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis was given $100 to buy all of her clothes that she <laughs> wore well, in the movie. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> also like Jamie Lee Curtis, Hollywood royalty, Tony Curtis, Janet Lee's daughter. Mm -hmm. It's like, can it afford. does. She probably was sneaking in a few extra, you know, she's not hard up, but it is, it is kind of wild to think like they could have leveraged their daughter into like any production, I'm sure, but she was like, no, I'm going to do this movie doing halloween yeah i read uh, another fact that they, that they had to add twenty five thousand dollars to the budget on top of that 300 for donald uh pleasant because he was the only person that actually accepted the role <laughs> and they were like we oh, him. they wanted christopher <laughs> lee they wanted a bunch of other people and everyone oh, was wow. like no we're not gonna be in this schlock and he was <laughs> like yeah i'll do it five days twenty five thousand dollars and uh yeah that's that's what he ended up doing and man they got they put him in so many things that there are scenes that he's in that i'm like I'm pretty sure this scene only exists because they needed to hit the 90 minute mark. Like they needed oh, yeah. another three minutes. There's a lot of that. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny you say that actually. Uh, the the two things about that. One uh, with Donald, his character is so funny. Where there was a scene where he was supposed to call his wife and like kind of like update her on what's going on, and he refused to film it because he was just like, no, this character doesn't have a family and doesn't have a past. What the fuck? <laughs> like, I don't, such like a... oh, he's Blofeld. I'm looking. I'm looking at whatever. What? Uh, oh what yeah, Donald Pleasant was in. Yeah, for sure. Uh, for, he was, well, he's in a lot of Halloween movies. Yeah, I guess so. That, <laughs> yeah. that ended up being a good franchise. Wait, he, was he the president in Escape from New York? Does anyone know? That might have been him. Too. Oh, okay. Uh, but then another thing about what you're talking about, Nick, about extending the runtime to get it on TV to be able to fit the right time slots. Uh, they during Halloween two, they shot footage to add to Halloween one Ooh, to be able to get it to hit the right they timing. Just, and there's stuff like three it. other murders. You're like, where did these people come from? Who are yeah. you? 
Do yeah. we have Everyone any idea how how long the script is? How many pages is the script? I want to guess like fifty three pages. Yeah. Because when you're watching it, it's like it's like shot of her walking across the street, shot of house, shot of her continuing across the street, back to the house. She's now halfway across the street now. Like mm-hmm. there's so much of mm-hmm. that that only works because it has the score. Yeah. And so totally. it's like. Nothing about it is filmed with tension, but it's all added after the fact. And part of me is like, oh, man, they probably like cut this all together. And like this movie is 63 minutes long. And they're like, how do we get this to 90? Well, it's so funny about that, too. What do you say, Nick? Somebody go film a pumpkin for 45 minutes. We'll put the credits (laughs) over it. It'll be great. Yeah. Uh, Is how few cuts are in this movie. Like, I swear to God, there are less than 100 edits mm-hmm. in the entire movie so much of it is just panning and letting mm-hmm. the scene play out without mm-hmm. any coverage without anything there's like yo it is what it is and that's not necessarily an insult or criticism mm-hmm. or a compliment it's just a fact <laughs> like, you know what <laughs> I, but weirdly though it, it it sort of and this is why i like john carpenter right because i think in the hands of a slightly lesser director that this would have this wouldn't have had the same effect but i think he understood the tools he had at his disposal and a lot of this with the music and all that stuff really kind of helps to build the the tone and the tension of the world. And I don't think this is, you know, obviously comparing this to modern day, even the, the remake or the, or the, the, the sequel that came out in 2018. I mean, that's way scarier because we, we just have evolved as a horror genre, but there's just something special about how lingering these shots are and the, and that simple music and how it just sort of builds. And like, I remember watching this when I was a kid, I was like, this was really scary back in the day. Can I? I really liked it. It felt. It feels really deliberate. It feels like you are watching them with with Michael, and it yeah. like you're you're just kind of with there with them. So like, I like the long shots because it builds the tension of it's just the guy following around for five hours, yeah. but it's like to build that up. You know, I, I I was I was really enjoying the really like long takes. Yeah, totally. Uh, going back to the the rest of the rigmarole shit here. So yeah, budget of three hundred thousand dollars. The box office. 70 million dollars with inflation it would be around 250 that's million dollars that's had residuals <laughs> I, I, either way there uh making halloween one of the most successful independent films of all time uh the film was selected for preservation in the united states national film registry by the library of congress as being culturally historically or aesthetically significant and uh this movie easily easily passes uh the bechdel test so now let's get into it. Elise, I want to start with you. What did you think of Halloween 1978? Can I let you guys in on a little secret? Yeah, you didn't <laughs> watch the movie. You forgot to watch the movie. No, no, no. I watched it. But okay. while I recognize what this movie did in terms of establishing and spawning a genre, and of course, you know, that intro cinematic, the first person, would we have the Doom film, Carl Urban? If we had not had, if Halloween not. had not walked, Doom could not have run. <laughs> Carl Urban's Dune. Carl Urban's Doom? Could, would we? You know, uh, and Jamie Lee Curtis, I love JLC. Watch her. I, I, you know, I have my trifecta, which is Sigourney, Jamie, and Gina Davis. I watch those three in anything. And, uh, three Sigourneys. Yeah. And I, I, but, but, and there is tension. I'm, I, Nick, you pointed it out. For me, this was scarier 25 years ago. Oh, yeah. And while I watch it now, I'm like, like, and Chris pointed out too, those long establishing shots, the tension, the building. I I now I'm like, okay, this movie cost $300,000. And when I'm watching it, I'm like, okay, but would I rather be watching Halloween H2O? 
<laughs> yeah, I'm also the person that voted Scream 2 or Scream 3 for, you know, second best Scream movie or whatever. So what does my taste say? Uh, so that's, that's kind of where I'm mm-hmm. at with mm-hmm. this is yeah. like, do I do I appreciate Halloween? But uh, do I I don't, I don't really well, I wasn't like, yeah. Here's here here's, here's can I, if you're oh, I, I think this might seg into mine pretty well, but here's how I think of Halloween. Do I feel like with a smartphone I could find my way around ten times better than Davy Crockett? Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, but I appreciate the pioneering that he yeah. did, right? And I think that's what this film is almost entirely well, for me. Yeah, it for me too. I think like. To me, Jason or, or or Michael Myers and Freddie or, or oh my God, Michael Myers and Jason are a little bit interchangeable. Mm-hmm. They are these hulking, unstoppable slasher, you know, forces. I'm more. I've always been more of a Freddy gal, Freddy Krueger. Like I like the quips and the one liners and the the you know silent threat. I, I I'm being really negative to Halloween here. I, I realize mean, that. But I, I think I think it's it is one of those things that's a tough watch. To once that genre has moved so far beyond it. Obviously, you know, all of us discussed the first Scream and the importance of that, right? Like, and how it, like, reinvented a lot of those tropes and, like, set things down a new path. Um, this doesn't really have that so much. It just kind of was, like, one of the first. It was basically, what, Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Then, and, like, what's... Psycho. Well, yeah, but Psycho, I feel like, is much more Hitchcock. That's still of the Hitchcock brand. The Wikipedia of article has Black Christmas, the Canadian classic. Okay, Black Christmas. That's but the, like, the original. That one, yeah, That's the remember. first type slasher, technically. Yeah, mm-hmm. but like this is the one that really, I think, created that format where it's like, get us, the to, final girl get us to be interested yeah. in the killer and then have the killer set down this path of stalking and then climax is this murder 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 right like until however it implodes in the end and it really set that off and i also think again the score it has like music that is synonymous with the film and the genre and uh and i do think some of the set like setups are genuinely frightening like her in the closet like there's there's a lot of stuff that's like really scary it doesn't play now but like someone in the backseat of your car and and stuff some oh the sheet Oh, oh, dude, why don't you come, like, bone me now? Like, there's a lot of these things that seem silly because they probably appear in scary movies with a joke. But, yeah. like, at the time, you're like, oh, my God, like, that's terrifying. And I do really appreciate that. That being said, it costs $300,000. Yeah. And so you basically sit through, like, like 75 minutes of, like, <laughs> just people palling around a suburban neighborhood to get to... What is all those all those beats and stuff? And and so watching it now with how far movies have gotten, it's hard to even compare the two. But when you appreciate that it did it first and it and it set that path, like it's like, OK, I ad, I admire it. I think we're being too critical. Well, I mean, oh, I'm giving it credit where it's due, obviously. But yeah, I mean, I, I I'll, if I may. You take, may, Nick. If I may take this. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, I agree with everything you guys are saying. I mean, this movie was made in 1978. It's very simple. It's very straightforward. It's very tropey. Uh, the acting at best is 
serviceable at worst we get the scene with annie and the popcorn we're like what are you looking at why are you oh, reading yeah. a, are you yeah. reading a cue card like what is happening here oh i'm covered in butter <laughs> and i'll just take all my clothes off it's like really yeah, that's what you were doing. <laughs> i was like i got i spill butter myself every day i never wash my clothes um <laughs> it's it's very simple and when you watch it back with a critical eye you know one of the things that i always hits me is i'm like well jamie lee curtis is the main character of this movie she doesn't encounter mike myers until like I, michael myers rather until like 17 minutes before the movie's end i mean she mm -hmm. literally is like what is happening over there the, the most terrifying <laughs> thing she encounters is tommy and you're like that kid is just weird but um <laughs> it is a weird kid dude. <laughs> weird you're so right um especially when you contrast it with Lindsay, who's who played who's played by uh oh, richards yeah, let's Kyle go richards, Real Housewives, baby. who couldn't care less that any of this stuff is happening um i i just i just like this movie because it has a special place in my heart as a classic does right this is one of those this is one of those every October, I'm like, at some point, I'm going to turn on Halloween. Am I going to watch it closely and try to pick up on the nuance of things that I didn't see? No. It's going to go on. I'm going to eat candy. I'm going to be on my phone. I'm going to be playing a game or whatever. But I just like I like it for what it represents. I like it for all of its components. I don't think it's a good movie. I don't even think it's a, a, a scarier movie than like a Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which I thought was a lot more like disturbing when I watched it back in the day. Um, but I just... I just appreciate what they were able to accomplish with that $300,000 budget. And, and I like its enduring legacy. Chris Anka. I think this is one of the few classics that actually still holds up. Um, that and Texas are probably the two, I think that still hold something because I think both of them are early enough that they actually want to say something. And I mean, everyone is correct that this movie is dated at this point, but I like that there is I, I, you can tell that carpenter is trying to talk about something with like so much of this movie is just there's a weird guy in the suburbs and that's kind of what's scaring everybody like he hasn't really he doesn't do anything for an hour he's just he's just sort of walking around and it's interesting to kind of look at it through that to the lens point of you know nowadays we're we're inundated with tragedies all the time that we're so desensitized to it that back in 78 it's just there's just a guy we don't know and like everyone's on edge Mm -hmm. yeah. And so I think through that, like, I, I think the movie, you know, it's still kind of, it, it, I think it still holds up really well. Um, and and I, I think, honestly, the scariest part is, is, is Annie, because I cannot tell if she and Lori are friends at all. For yeah. how <laughs> that movie, I'm like, I don't know, like, why you still talk to her. She's tearing you apart literally every time you speak to her. Mm -hmm. Just try to bring her out of yeah. her shell. Just bring her out of her shell. Oh, mm. She calls you crazy like five times. Yeah. But I mean, I will say like this. Books? I think I think the scariest thing is that Lori knits. A teenage person who knits. But it's the 70s. Can we talk terrifying. about this? I mean, it is a teenager. Me too. I, oh, okay. But we needed to. Oh, right. Me too. <laughs> I, I, I would, Joey and Tim, you guys, so this is going to be a very brief aside. Okay. Go for it. But I just love, we put it on and we also watched it with Zach Anner, who's amazing. And and it was a blast watching it with him. And all of us were like, how old are these women? <laughs> so so here, here's the deal. Here's and the I deal. looked it up. Yeah, yeah, and it's it. almost more baffling. It's almost more baffling than you could imagine. Right. Because you have these three women and you're like, this she's she looks like she's aging from like cigarettes. Like, like <laughs> she looks like like. And so you have you have you have Jamie Lee Curtis and the two women, Jamie Lee Curtis looks like the oldest of them all. Mm -hmm. 
but is actually only 20 years 19. old, maybe 19, 19 when it was filming. Okay, yeah, so 19. So she's the closest to it. But, I mean, obviously they dress her up like a school marm and, like, do this <laughs> stuff to her. Because she knit her own clothes. You're watching these two. The other two, are, I think, are 28 and 29 or something like that. Yeah, so they dude. actually fit the mold of, like, basically pushing 30 and, and they're played as they're playing 17 year olds or whatever but i was just like i was like jamie lee curtis must have been what 42 when she filmed this or whatever and then i look it up she's 19 i'm like but here's the thing this move this and that decision retroactively makes me like scream four even more i feel like kirby was a choice I think that Hayden Pantaneri's character, we were talking about how she, like, mm-hmm. why they dress her like a 40-year-old. I yeah. think that was a reference Wait, to the original maybe. Halloween. Maybe. Yeah. Interesting. Because like, that, that was a weird Kirby, choice there. Hashtag. And this is weird because, yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis looks 40 in this. And <laughs> yeah. she is 30-year-olds playing teenagers. I, me, me too. I, it's the only way I feel safe. <laughs> That's true. It makes it's, the decision of Linda's hair even weirder to me because she's wearing pigtails. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. It's a thirty-year-old mm-hmm. woman with pigtails. I know. Yeah. I don't like any of this. No. no. It's, it's weird to me because my touchstone for her, for that particular actress, I believe she was in Stripes with Bill Murray and Harold Ramis. Do you guys remember? Did you ever see that yeah. movie? Yeah. She yes. plays one of the the like um, army police officers that they end up going to party with, and I'm like, oh my god, she was like, but I don't think those movies were that far apart. So mm-hmm. I think I think that maybe Bastrides may have been like 81, 82 or something like that. I don't know. I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's, it's pretty funny. I don't know. Jamie Lee Curtis read to me very young in this. But I think it's because they put her next to the older women who, uh, to me, she always, she kind of came off as a teenager. But I don't know. Joey Noel, what do you think of Halloween? Man, I thought that I was going to come in here with an unpopular opinion. I am glad that we're all at least acknowledging part of the thing. I think that. For me, Halloween is like, it is such a classic and I don't think that we'll ever be able to move away from that. But I think it was really hard to watch us after watching Scream. I think watching them back to back just kind of showed how uh, like simple it felt. Even just like the opening scene, I was like, man, that opening scene had like not a lot of tension or build or like didn't, like it set up the movie, but not in the way that Scream 1 set up. that and like i understand that the genre evolves and stuff like that so it's a totally different thing but i was just like there are so many things about the movie that i like but i do feel like as a whole it is like lesser than its parts of like there are there's the iconic kill of like stabbing whatever his name is into the wall and uh the music and the character but like when it comes all together at the end of the day i'm like i'm glad that this has evolved from where it started and like yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis is so iconic as, like, the first final girl, really, or, like, at least of, like, the new, the modern generation, I guess, the modern era, mm-hmm. which isn't even modern at this point anymore. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I would, it was just, I had watched it with my mom because I was home this weekend, and that's who I'd watched Scream 1 with. I was like, was this scary <laughs> when you watched it? <laughs> and we had had just, like, an entire conversation because we had watched a little bit of Squid Game 2 about horror and violence and all of that kind of stuff in the different eras and generations and kind of what has what is deemed normal um in that kind of genre and she was like yeah it was really scary (laughs) i was like Mm -hmm. oh it is weird that she's like i just don't know that you will ever really understand that because you've seen so many other things that like Mm -hmm. have ruined it for you which isn't the right word but yeah Do, do do teenagers now think scream is good I probably not. I would love to. I don't know. know. I I don't know that many teenagers. Right. 
teenagers <laughs> on the horn. They must. Yeah. I don't. Because even at this point, like my cousins are too old to like ask for their opinions, which were my go to. It's so funny. Yeah. Uh, I, I bet you it's super cheesy to them. And well, I think it, it's got to be right. Because to yeah. us, I mean, to me at least, Scream happened in a time when I was of like close to that age. So when they were talking about those yeah, things, those things graduated, were graduated from college. And yeah, I had actually. <laughs> when, did Scream, when did the first Scream come out? 96. Okay, no, that you're was just retired. <laughs> no, but to me, like that was that was that was like it's such a sign of the times, right? And that's mm-hmm. it, it was the '90s, right? That was so freaking '90s. Everything they were yeah. wearing, everything they were talking about, the music that's involved in it, and that's the same thing with this film, right? It's very, it's 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 very late '70s. It's a pioneer of a genre, so you're seeing the 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 sort of uh, the beginnings of something. But what I love about it is there's a lot of this movie in every horror movie that came afterward. And, and one of the things that I that I the scene that kind of sticks out in my mind is when Lori looks over to Anne to the Wallace house, whatever, and it's dead silent and she walks out and it's just still. How many times do you see that in Scream, right? Where like Nev Campbell's character will walk out and it'll just be silent, still, nothing moving. And that creates so much tension that that's such a cool visual and tonal moment. Um, and you get and, and you can definitely tell that a lot of that lineage came from from Halloween. Yeah, yeah I, I'm I'm right there with Chris with this one where uh, I agree with all of you that it's like, yeah, it's dated. There's so many issues of like budgetary stuff of like it's daytime and then all of a sudden it's nighttime on the same car ride. And it's like that doesn't make mm-hmm. any sense. Uh, just dumb little things like that, that it's hard to turn your brain off and not see. But I think that th- the movie does such a good job of just sitting and being quiet and allowing itself to be completely silent and very dark. For a long period of time until something happens and then you get the the score uh popping in a little like or whatever it is um that kind of accentuates the jump scares that i think for the most part are well utilized and not all the time like i think what's cool about this movie is the the tone and and a vibe is more pervasive than kill 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 being the point and once it gets to that kind of climax end part where the kills start racking up it's like that was built off of that is just kind of like the um finally giving us what we were expecting to happen the whole time that we never got. And that's built off a bunch of really, really unsettling moments. Like seeing Michael Myers in the daytime as much as we do, I think is still legitimately scary. It's just very hard. Like that, the line between, is it funny or is it scary? Is so hard to do, especially when we're Mm -hmm. watching these old things, but the scene of him standing behind the bush and like popping out. And then when they go over, he's gone. That's legitimately terrifying. It's just, if you're watching it, it's easy to laugh at it. And then if you laugh at it, it takes you out of it. And then it's not scary at all. But I would argue that that is actually scarier than anything we see in Scream or anything we see in a lot of other, uh, of the, even the the sequels for this, where it turns more into a slasher as opposed to like Chris was saying, this fucking creepy dude who has history. Like that opening scene, I was all about it. I love the point of view shot. I love how long it takes. I love that it sets up this kind of like, it's point of view so you get kind of the bounce like going through it it feels very human and that kind of continues through the rest of the movie and that's because of the budget of the camera (laughs) and production elements of it all but like the camera's always slightly wobbling and it's like even if it's like just a panning shot it's never clean and there's something about that that added with the score added with the look of it that for the most part this movie is one of two things it is either so wide and so bright daytime you can see everything so seeing this scary guy there is like off-putting and weird or it's so dark that you're just like shit something scary is about to happen and then something scary usually happens but that's usually backed up with 
really weird acting and really weird decisions and lines and stuff that just don't make sense. Uh, like Loomis being like, we can't call the cops and have them. They're going to go to every door. Isn't that a well, good yeah, thing? Don't we want that? <laughs> I was going say, Loomis's whole character is hilarious. He's like the worst therapist in the world. Yeah, yeah, totally. He's like, totally. he's, he's terrible. He's like, he's like, he's my patient. We have to find him and shoot him. Like the only way to cure him yeah. is by shooting him it's in the brain. He's got yeah. evil inside him. It's like, I think you need to talk to a therapist, dude. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's I, a lot I'd there. Argue that he has, well, he had a line with the, the sheriff and he's like, why didn't I get all my cops in us? He goes like, no, because your cops will think everyone is him. Yeah. He yeah. Like, he to see like, him like, every, they'll be arresting everybody and he'll get away. Uh -huh. I kind of like that. Like, we got to keep this quiet. I mean, which I do think is also irresponsible. Of like, no, no, let him do his thing, and then we'll find yeah. him. I'm yeah, like, we'll kill five people first. Yeah. Well, three, four yeah. people in, we'll find him. Trust like, me, we'll find the body. I have a plan. I know where he lives, or it used to live fifteen years ago. I'm gonna stand completely out in the open next to the bush by his house for eight and a half hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, the thing that I like the most about this movie though, is the blocking and how the camera does work. When we do get into these, when we go from the crazy ass wide outside locations to the inside the house setups where we know the kills are coming, they do such a good job of directing our eyes to where they want us to be looking as the characters doing one thing and the camera moves and we see Michael in the doorway behind them and the camera on one side you see he's there and then when it goes back she turns around and he's gone it's like things like that are just so unnerving and cool and like they they build up this Michael Myers character that to Elise's point is kind of like Halloween might not have been the first slasher but it definitely was the first one to really kind of create a character with a theme song with all these elements around the spectacle of what a slasher has turned into which i guess texas chainsaw massacre you were saying predates this right mm -hmm. so leatherface yeah, there is that element as well but like michael myers is it's a fucking thing him in that yeah. mask with the with the weird ass like ghostbusters outfit like all of it makes so much sense and i i'm excited to watch the rest of them despite this one being uh rough around the edges to say the least but a pioneer in cinema to say the most he's like the first indestructible one to two that's what i was gonna i was gonna add to like again talking about texas chainsaw massacre versus this he's like, like he's super purposeful too like like leatherface is almost like a force of nature like it would have been the same movie if they were just driving through that empty road and hit like a dust bowl like like the end result would have been the same, just chaos unfolding on this ca this caravan or whatever that's going on. Whereas he was, he's like a shark, right? Like he just swims, he just glides through the water, he finds his target, and then he does what he needs to do to take out that target, and no one around has any idea. And this, as soon as someone does, which is Laurie at the end of the movie, all hell breaks loose, right? Like, and I think that, like, he's kind of the first one to be feel like that, you know, like such yeah. a purposeful, destructive thing. Before we get to the plot, to, oh. go for it, Chris. I was say, it almost speaks to the horrors of the time of Texas Chainsaw was Americana dealing with the fact that they can't go anywhere now. Like, there are dangerous things out here. We have satanic cults, we have the Manson murders. So it's it just you stumbled across this of this this house that you think you have carte blanche over. And it's like, no, 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 they will kill you. Whereas the flip side of Halloween is those things that we have seen as other and away and scary are now seeping into our neighborhood. Because I think what's scary mm -hmm. about this movie is Lori clocks him right away. Yeah. Or he's like, that guy is off and no one cares. Yeah. No, because Andy nobody thinks care. it can happen. Nobody Even thinks there's though, any danger. 
when 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 Laurie's running and screaming and bangs on that neighbor's house of like, oh, yeah. and the neighbor turns off their lights, like, yeah. nope, mm-hmm. not dealing with this. And so a lot of it is like things things are now seeping into our perfect neighborhoods, and because we're so apathetic and we choose not to care about it, that's how we're letting all this happen. And it could happen to you, and you just don't know it's going on. Which I feel a lot like Sydney's built off that as well. Where Sydney clocks things immediately, and and no one else is really catching up with her. Mm-hmm. There's also like jumping ahead, obviously, but like I forget that he he gets his mask ripped off. Yeah, that happened, too. and I was like, oh, like there. <laughs> I was like, oh, hello, Michael. Uh, but it was just one of those things where it's like, oh, there is like a face behind it, and he's not just like the the lore and like the tale of Michael Myers. It's like he's he's like he's a dude <laughs> i kind of mm-hmm. forget that because right. i feel like he gets Warm thrown blood, in man. with like the freddie and the jason and stuff like that it's like oh you're yeah. you started as just this guy and then yeah you learn he gets all loomis indestructible. loomis in the later films pretty much he goes like he's a born of the devil evil incarnate oh, so uh, he, we'll he mentions a couple of those things in this one too yeah, yeah. again bad terrible therapist <laughs> uh, before we get to the plot, though, there's two things I want to say. One, Kevin, can you please bring this up? Uh, I grew up watching this movie. I remember being very scared of it because I was a small child, and that's what happens when you watch scary movies. And I remember even going to Blockbuster and like walking by and like seeing the box art of it. And uh, like I would always look at it, and the the poster for Halloween mm-hmm. has always okay. just been in my awesome. mind. It's always whatever. It, it was not until today. October 4th, 2021, that I realized what it is with the pumpkin and the knife. I always just thought it was just some weird shit. I thought it was just his hand with the knife a lot. And I was like, that's a weird, like catching him in motion with the stab, which I get is also trying to invoke. I'm an idiot. I'm a fucking idiot because that is cool as shit as a pumpkin. You exactly. thought he was just stabbing while also doing a super Street Fighter move, so he yeah. had like shadows behind him. I, I thought that was a weird choice like that they would like do. Like right. Motion blur. Yeah, no. I, I never noticed that it like it's transitioning into it. Like, yeah, why is like the, animorphs style. Yeah, there's like a blade right here that I never noticed. The hilt of the the knife is right there. I, a couple. Well, of that's times. So that always read to me as the the stem from the pumpkin on top so, mm. to to that degree. This is nah, wild. But like, I, there's two of them. There's two of them. See, there's one here, mm-hmm. and there's another one here as it transitions more into becoming a pumpkin. He is Halloween. Fascinating. I, I would love to follow, like, young Kevin and, and Tim when they went to the, the movie store to, together, and <laughs> yeah. they couldn't interpret what anything on any of the box art was. You can just go to Turtles cover, like, are these some frogs in a sewer? <laughs> uh, and then the next thing I wanted to tell you all is that uh, these are our sponsors. We'll be right back. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Stamps.com. If you've got a small business, you know there's nothing more valuable than your time. So stop wasting it on trips to the post office. Stamps.com makes it easy to mail and ship right from your computer. Save time and money with Stamps.com. Send letters and packages for less with discounted rates from USPS, UPS, and more. Joey uses Stamps.com all the time for all of our Patreon fulfillment, and she swears by it. Stamps.com brings the service of the U.S. Postal Service and USPS shipping right to your computer. Whether you're in an office sending invoices, a side hustle, Etsy shop, or a full-blown warehouse shipping out orders, Stamps.com will make your life easier. All you need is a computer and a standard printer. No special supply or equipment. Save time and money with Stamps.com. There's no risk, and with my promo code KINDAFUNNY, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital 
scale, no long-term commitment or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in kind of funny. That's stamps.com with the promo code kind of funny. Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. Now that we're back, Nick, let's get to the plot. Please tell us the story. <laughs> hey, Joe, please tell us the story. Halloween, 1978. Death has come to your little town, Sheriff. You can either ignore it, or you can help me stop it. Hey, Tim, hit me with that dope-ass fucking click track. Oh, my God, it's happening, dude. You gotta love it. We get the best intro for anything. Iconic, right off the bat, the click track with just the theme, the Halloween theme, the jack-o'-lantern, as it's just coming closer, 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 closer. And then we see directed by John Carpenter. Well, we see Halloween, and then we see directed by John Carpenter, and the candle inside the jack-o'-lantern blows out. Darkness. Incredible. Mm, you so can do perfect. a club night just with Halloween soundtrack music. Oh, fuck <laughs> yeah, Especially when we get to the next movie, it is a banger. <laughs> uh, we open back up on two kids, and they are making out on the couch. And I don't know, maybe it's just me, guys. But I feel like maybe he was going for some sort of theme of horny teenagers. Did you guys catch oh, this at all? No, I don't guys, think so. Anyone catch this? No, I don't think so. Well, Not Tim at all. Didn't okay. Say the original title was the Babysitter Murders. Oh, babysitting's the problem. These, it's exactly right. So if you if you get the problem is these kids are horny. They're <laughs> they so are horny. Everyone is horny. Like, it's so funny that Jamie Lee Curtis is the only non-horny horny. entity in this entire movie. Even the, the cop fuck? dad, like, I don't think, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think he says or does anything overtly creepy, but like, he is fucking creepy. Like, every single mm-hmm. thing about him, I'm just like, I don't trust yeah, you, Mr. Like Sheriff that. guy. Well, I so... With all of these movies, though, because isn't that Friday the 13th, too, that they're all super horny, too? Yeah, I mean, anytime it's there was much a teenager, deal in Friday. Yeah, yeah, they were always banging, and they had to be punished for that. Although I did read a piece of trivia uh, when I was watching this that talked about they asked John Carpenter about that, so because obviously, like, and they they even talk about it in Scream, right? Or like, I think he says the Virgin. Maybe that wasn't one of the rules in Scream, but it's the trope of like the Virgin always lives, right? Yeah. And so obviously, Lori is the one that's chast in this. She doesn't have a social life. She doesn't have, uh, she doesn't have a boyfriend. They bring up the concept of her going out on a date to the dance the next day, and she's super like, you know, uh, awkward about it, um, or insecure about it rather. And they were like, so was that? People have asked him over the years, like, hey, was that like purposely done? Of like, are you trying to make a statement that people who are who are virgins are like more virtuous than people who have given up that virtue? And he goes, Lori spends the majority of the film like once she sees Michael taking something and stabbing it into him in a very phallic way and he goes Lori is actually the most sexually frustrated of any of the teens in here and that came he's like i wanted that to come out with her like killing mm. michael he's like and i was like okay that's weird that is not the weird the, the read i got on this but hey that's apparently what he said uh anyway we started two kids making out on the couch we got judith's boyfriend he's like we alone and judith's like i don't know michael should be around here somewhere i'm like you're doing a horrible job babysitting your younger brother if you don't know where he is uh then they head upstairs and the po shot looks up into their window and we get the first stinger of the night you know i can't do it tim you gotta do it you gotta hire pitch yeah the, the voice cut out there sorry oh, yeah. it's not gonna we, happen we know Just what you're imagine it's the stinger yeah. the iconic stinger uh and he sneaks up there, uh, Judith's boyfriend, presumably. So they go up to the room, and then uh, Michael goes inside, right? And he kind of stalks the house. And then Judith's boyfriend, presumably having just prematurely ejaculated, leaves 15 seconds later, and Michael 
climbs up the stairs to Judith's room and puts on a clown mask. And that's where we get that first cut. There was a, and we get the, just the clown eyes that are peeking through. Uh, and then he sneaks up on her sister who for no reason uh, is brushing her hair completely topless. <laughs> and she's, then, like, she's also like a swimsuit model. <laughs> dude, <she's, laughs> and he, it's mobility. Is that what it, I mean, I guess you don't get it stuck anywhere. Yes, it's just, it's just one of those things where I'm like, I guess, I could argue that it's it's she just finished doing the deed, but then also you know your little, read. you know your little brother's floating around here somewhere. Like, she don't give a shit. We established that she don't give a shit. Anyway, Michael sneaks up on her and he stabs her, and she turns around. She goes, "Michael, ah, and then just slowly kind of like rubs her hands everywhere. Yeah. And you're like, I don't know what the direction of this scene was, but I can't imagine. Something's there was a misdirection somewhere in this, but he just slowly stabs her to death and she falls to the ground with the worst blocking possible. And then he walks outside and runs right into his parents, who then pull off his mask to reveal it was a little boy all along of no more. This, than this shot here could have, I, I think, a, a problem is the budget and is the fact that this scene took two days to shoot. And like that was probably take number 72. And they're just like, uh, she was like, ah, that's the best you got, I guess, whatever. But I hate the final shot of the little boy coming oh, out, which is I creepy as fuck. I, I, I love that. I hate the parents coming out. And if it was only him being stoic and just standing alone, that'd be fucking creepy. It's bizarre that the parents are just standing yeah. there. Yeah. They stand there mm-hmm. staring at him. For way too long. It's like there's no yeah. movement. There's no talking. There's no questioning. There's no like, you have a fucking knife. They just kind of look at the knife and are like, and it just holds for forever. 20 seconds. Like, I, think, I feel like this is the kind of thing that if you saw it in a theater in 1978, you'd be like, oh shit. It's like a diorama. It's almost like a diorama, but like we have effects and we have things that you could do now that like, you could do something cooler. Like, a crane is cool. And I'm sure John Carpenter is like, we got a crane. Let's use it. And yeah, he used it. Yeah. But it's like, you have to figure out the purpose of that. And the goal is to get to that last shot. It's the, it's just, I think this is one of those things where the time has changed our perception on how movies move and look and feel. And so... Yeah, I mean, I guess what you hope is that then the mom runs into the house and the dad starts shaking him and you're seeing all this. Some, you know, some, some, some sort action. of other action is what I think you'd need in a more modern film. I think if you watched it in 1978, you'd be like, it's a child! Yeah. And you would be hung up on that moment for yeah. the next 45 minutes, you know? like You know, that's actually... So that's a funny thing. Uh, Gia had never seen uh, this Halloween, so she didn't yeah. know that stuff. So, like, when it was revealed that it was a kid, like, she saw the, the little kid's hand and she was like, what the fuck? Like, that's weird. Mm-hmm. Like that looked like a little kid's head. And I started laughing at myself. Like it is a little kid. You just don't know. <laughs> I'm going like the reveal happened. She was like, what the fuck? Like, so it's kind of cool. Like if you don't yeah. know, it does have that effect and yeah. it does mm-hmm. work. It's just, we all know. And, yeah, yeah. And, and that's the thing. I think, I think they, re- they sit on it long enough because it was a huge reveal back then. But I also do want to say, I think the kid, the actor that, that played young Michael at, at that age nails that look, that vacant, just staring off in the distance look. And I didn't, so much so that, I don't remember this particular scene. Uh, I, I've only seen this movie a handful of times. So I, I didn't remember this, this scene. I kind of knew it was coming, but didn't, couldn't picture it. And I was locked on with this kid's eyes. I was like, holy shit, this kid. I didn't even know the parents were looking at him until you guys just told me. Which is Yeah, crazy. go so, back and watch it. Because like, he fucking well, now, kills it. The parents are weird. It's like that one time I read a piece of trivia. It's like, you can see a camera in Predator. I'm like, now I can't watch Predator ever again. <laughs> um, well, it feels it? like 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 an SNL where it's like pause for applause. It's like mm-hmm. stand there so everyone in the audience can freak out. <gasps> yeah, like, don't yeah. talk over mm. the audience. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
No, did you the read one that? Thing that takes me out of this scene, sorry, ahead, the one thing that takes no, me out of this whole scene is when he starts stabbing his sister and the eyes look at the hand so you can see the knife. It's mm-hmm. like, I get it for blocking, but it's like such an unnatural, like, let me see what my hand's doing while I'm stabbing my sister. Well, even his stance in this scene is weird. Like, it's like this, it's it's very much showcasing the knife in like a very picturesque, pretty way, but it's like not functional at all. So no. it does look a little bit unnatural. I mean, all the knives in, in this look completely fake too, which is hilarious. But I, I read another piece of trivia, Tim. I don't know if you saw it or not, but they were talking, they said that the uh, the child actor wasn't available while they were shooting the scene. So all the hands and the actual POV shots are one of the, uh, the I think it was like the female script supervisor that was working on the film. So oh, if you look closely, she has really nice nails. <laughs> when he picks up that. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. Uh, just uh, just a silly stuff thing. like that that they had to do. Uh, trivia thing I read is the little kid actor like this is like one of his only roles and he didn't want to be an actor and then he ended up just becoming a police officer in LA and he was like yeah acting's not for me they were like cool. why what was your what was your first experience with acting and he was like well, John Carpenter's Michael. Halloween okay well we see where you're going anyway that was 1963 now we catch up over in Smith's Grove sorry that was Hattonfield Illinois 1963 now we're going to shoot over to Smith's Grove Illinois uh, October 30th 1978 of course tim you'll recognize october 30th for being the day before halloween that's right all hollows my eve. mom's birthday all hollows eve that's right birthday, eve. right or all hollows eve eve this is the 31st is halloween all hollows eve i think yeah. so because I, so I think november 1st is, is all Saints eve, day eve. so this is all hollows eve eve, eve. wow yeah. <laughs> i'm happy yeah. we get to the bottom of this thanks guys we'll see you next week Later. <laughs> number one uh, Dr. Sam Loomis and his nurse, Nurse Chambers, I believe is her name, drive in the pouring rain. Dr. Loomis tells the nurse he never wants Michael to get out, but when yeah. they get to the hospital, of course, who do they see wandering around in the dark? I love this shot, by the way. Yeah. It's terrifying, guys. They yeah. set up, it's so perfectly shot because they just do it with the headlights of the car and you just see these bodies mm-hmm. roaming around because of the nature of the, the gowns they're wearing, your brain instantly connects that it's the patients of the, of the mm-hmm. hospital. Yeah. And they're and they're on the and they're on their own, and it tells you everything you need to know. Yeah, he's out. He's out. Of course, Doctor yeah. Loomis Nick, runs up. Nick, did you clock that the nurse has two cigarettes in that drive? No, I didn't. <laughs> From the start to them getting the patient, she she lights up a second cigarette. Does she like, really? <laughs> she's just Chris, Chris, yeah, she's just, it's, a, it's a stressful situation. Yeah. All right, no, it's this a different time. She's just also, going. She's just going. Chris, if you've never smoked before, you don't understand how much you appreciate the rain. You know, you just sit there, you watch the rain, and have a butt, smoke yeah. a butt, you know? Oh, thanks. The I, the I can feel it. That was good. <laughs> uh, I also, I was, uh, honestly, Chris, I was a little bit more, a little more taken back that she was wearing this outrageous nurse costume that I'm sure what, was period for night. Yeah, it's a cape. And I'm like, she, she looks like a witch. I don't know what's going on here. I don't. I don't remember. I, I mean, I wasn't alive in 1978. Maybe that's how nurses had. But she had the whole cat, like cape thing going on, and like the actual structured hat. And then she's just smoking fucking butts in the car with that. And then we get the close up, of course, of the uh, red rabbit uh, matches, which is going to tie that into later a little bit. Anyway, they get there, and Doctor Luminous immediately realizes what's going on. He's like, "Shit, Michael's out!" So he runs up to the front gate to call, and then Michael just pounces on the car like he's saber tooth. He from, scrambles up. Yeah, he scrambles up. The it car. is. It is. Leave Schreiber himself. It's weird. Uh, <laughs> it is weird. Nurse Chambers, who barely gets away, and then he escapes, of course, in the old school uh, tan wagon that is the state car that Dr. Loomis drove up there. 
So a fact I got for you here that is pretty funny is to ensure that Michael Myers would break the window of the station wagon. Like, you know how it's kind of weird looking when the hands just like kind of hitting the, wrench, the window. Right? Uh, yeah, they, it's actually it's a, a wrench that was painted skin color mm-hmm. <laughs> to like break the window. Oh, that's cool. That's really cool. They didn't paint it well uh, enough because I, I saw the wrench. I said, I didn't notice it. Yeah, like, really. oh, there's a wrench about to hit. Yeah. Yeah, this is another movie that watching in 4K does no favors. Yeah. No favors uh, at all. It exposes no, so much guy. shit. Uh, of course, as Michael makes his way down the street and Dr. Loomis watches, he, he, he turns to Nurse Chambers and says, the evil is gone. Over in Hattonfield, it's now Halloween. Lori Schrode leaves for school and her father reminds her, hey, don't forget to drop off the keys under the mat at the old Myers place. Tommy, of course, catches up to Lori and asks if she's coming over tonight to babysit him. And she says, sure thing. And then Lori tells Tommy that her father is going to sell the Myers house. And Tommy tells her, all this is a bad idea. Quote, we are inviting chaos into our life, Lori. And you and I both know that this is not something you want to deal with. He didn't say that. Tommy is an idiot. But uh, we all know this is a bad idea. And everyone should leave town immediately. Lori does it anyway. And we see Michael watching from inside. And this is the first time that we get the hint of the breath, which I think is another iconic sort of thing that adds to the tension of this film. We could hear that deep breath uh, from behind the William Shatner mask that we're about to see. I love that nobody at any point explains how he got the mask. I don't need to know that. Never tell me. <laughs> no, they do. Do they? Yeah. The yeah. hardware store? He broke into a hardware store oh, yeah. and stole yeah. a Halloween so, mask and a knife okay. or whatever. Okay, okay. I which is great. And rope. <clears throat> which is great because they explain that later on in the movie. Like, there's been several scenes since so the implication is that like the alarm they arrive it's when this, the two girls are driving by and they're smoking pot and they come up oh, on their dad dude. and they're like play it cool i'm like he's you're gonna roll down that window and he's gonna get hot boxed <laughs> like, like, like um but the alarm is still going off and i'm like that alarm has been going off for the last 12 hours <laughs> yeah. he's been in town he since the morning he got there early what, yeah. one of the funniest moments about this this the production of this movie and like weird calls that they made was that this young child is, is has been hospitalized since he was five or whatever mm-hmm. he's mm-hmm. now much older um obviously never learned how to drive right. so easily drives away and that's kind of weird and, and we're all yeah. watching this as adults like that's a weird thing that that mm-hmm. kid knew how to drive and we're all thinking about how that could happen the movie points it out they yeah. do a job to be mm-hmm. like like how did that happen but they don't ever really explain it <laughs> like well i love that they double down as like no we know too but we don't have an answer for you. Well, doesn't doesn't Loomis say someone must have taught him? Yeah, like, I think there's like, like a throwaway line where he goes, him. "Someone must have taught him," and I'm like, "All right, <laughs> we should just so fucking weird." They addressed it in, in Halloween Six, I believe. They, really? In, oh my in gosh. Halloween, the Curse yeah. of Michael Myers, they provide a retroactive explanation to the, no. the question. What's the explanation? Do we, we know what the explanation? Do you know what it is, Chris? Yeah, it's the other therapist. The other therapist that's part of the cult that's like been raising Michael. Oh, gotcha, it's gotcha. Like he has been underneath of like Loomis's like eye. He's like been he's been helping Michael the entire time. Gotcha. Okay. So um, stupid. That shit ain't canon though, y'all. So it's fine. Hey, it's fine. Canon now. My head canon. Uh, let's see. Michael watches her, of course, uh, from the sidewalk. And again, it's another one of those broad daylight shots where he just kind of goes. We get over the shoulder shot of her walking for a very long time, all the way down the entire length of the sidewalk as she slowly slings to herself. And we stay on this. For a very, very long time. And presumably until the film reel ran out so they could add some time to this movie. Uh, Lori, Dr. Loomis gives Dr. Terrence a mouthful. Nobody believes how dangerous Michael is, so Loomis is going to have to take matters into his own hands. He heads off to Hattonfield. Uh, Lori looks out the window in class and sees Michael wearing the William Shatner mask across the street next to the wagon. And I don't know what's creepier, the mask, the the person standing next to it, or 
1976 station wagon. Man, those things were <laughs> creepy looking. Who would paint a car that color? Tan? Tim, when's the last time you saw a tan car? It's been a while. Thank exactly. God. Exactly. <laughs> that was my that was my first red flag right there. Uh, Lori answers a question about uh, the teacher's like, "Hey, Lori, what's the answer to this question about fate?" And and she's like, "Yeah, yeah, yada yada. Fate is what he meant." And the teacher says, "Fate never changes. It's immovable like a mountain," which I think is thematically relevant to Mike Myers. Uh, Tommy gets bullied at school. The other boys tell him that the boogeyman is coming. And Tommy uh, tells them uh, to hurry up because this giant pumpkin that he's carrying is incredibly heavy. So he's like, listen, kids, if you're going to bully me, hurry the fuck up because the director made me carry this 50-pound pumpkin <laughs> this entire scene. And, of course, the kids push him. It's the only pumpkin, pumpkin they could get. It was spring, Nick. Mm -hmm. How are they going to get these small pumpkins? It's impossible. I, I mean, I don't know. God forbid. God forbid the prop department make a styrofoam pumpkin for this poor kid to carry. Prop department? Yeah, that that presumes that this film had a prop department. <laughs> Fair enough. You mean great prop? <laughs> the guy who had to make everything i am prop prop department <laughs> i'm sorry he falls on it so much as the other kids run away laughing until one of them runs straight into michael not laughing anymore are you little shit uh michael gets back uh in dr lewis's creepy station wagon and slowly stalks tommy to the point where you're like this kid is oblivious to everything and the breathing in the mask is very creepy loomis phones the local sheriff and tells him to be ready for michael says quote if you don't it's your funeral. Uh, he's got all the Donald Pleasance has all the great lines in this. Uh, he spots an abandoned truck from Phelps garage and sees the same, uh, goes over to investigate and sees the same red rabbit matchbook that nurse chambers had in the car. So he's like, Oh my God, not only is Michael on the loose, but he's killed this poor trucker and he's taken up smoking. That's deadly. Yeah. Deadly. Uh, of course, as Dr. Loomis runs off camera to rush over to Haddonfield, the, the, the camera dollies over to the left, and we see uh, the dead body of the man that owned the truck. And I think he's naked because I think this is where Michael got the coveralls from, right? The worker uh, coveralls. Mm -hmm. uh, Lori and Linda, not to be confused with Lindsay, Dude, not okay. too Sorry. creative when it comes to the names on this one, Tim. <laughs> what the hell? It is the most confusing set of names, I think, ever in a movie. No. Like, they're all L names, and they're all very similar. And Lori... They all, Linda, they don't look that different. Lindsay and Loomis. Annie and Loomis. Mm -hmm. Loomis, it's tough. Uh, Lori and Lin, excuse me, Lori and Linda walk home. Linda has a very active social life. Lori is the opposite. We learn. Annie catches up to them and tells them that her boyfriend got grounded, so they got she, she has to be sneaky when they're going to go out that night and bang it out. Uh, Lori stops. She forgot a chemistry book, and Linda goes on and on and on. I forget Jesus. things all the time. A chemistry book. This, 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 this. Of course, she trails off because we get it. Yeah, Lori sees Michael <laughs> drive around the corner, and she's like, "That's the guy I saw earlier." And Annie calls him a jerk. She goes, "Hey, jerk! Speed kills!" And then he stops dead in his tracks. Now, this is the point I would just leave town. I'm like, we're done. But they don't because they don't know it's coming. Tim, did you have something? No, I was saying, like, I'd be out. Peace. Yep. Fuck Peace. Like, they're just so brash with this dude. It's like, you are two high school girls. I know you look like 40-year-old women, but you're not. You are high school girls at this point. Mm -hmm. And if there's a creepy dude in a station wagon, it's a different time, man. But this, that's what it's, it kind of lends to what Chris's point was, right? Is like they're so overt about how, like, they're untouchable. They think yeah. that they're untouchable based totally. off where and how they live. Kevin, let me know if this mic sounds better now. I just unplugged it, plugged it in again. All right. Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, you have to keep talking. But yeah, well, I think so. That shouldn't be a problem for me. <laughs> uh, the car speeds away as the girls make plans to hang at it. their respective babysitting houses later that night. 
And Linda peels off from the group, and Lori spots the man from the car hiding around the upcoming bush. This is that shot Tim was talking about. It's very creepy. Annie, of course, is like, I'll confront him right now. She rushes over, but he's gone. But she sees an opportunity to play a little joke on Lori. She's like, Lori, dear, he wants to talk to you. He wants to take you out tonight. Again, leave town right now. Uh, Annie tells Lori she needs to get out of there and date more. Uh, get out and date more. She goes, men think I'm too smart. And then uh, Annie says, I think you're wacko. You're seeing men hiding behind bushes. Uh, Lori looks behind her, and she uh, accidentally walks right into Sheriff Brackett, who apparently is Annie's dad, I think, mm -hmm. I want to say, because they're yeah. going to the same house. Uh, Lori reaches her house and hears laughing. She spots a group of trick-or-treaters starting the evening off early. She says to herself, well, kiddo, kiddo I thought you outgrew superstition. Now, listen, this is, this is something I need everyone to understand. I get it. You want to keep your kids safe. I understand taking your kids out and having them home by a reasonable hour on Halloween is an important thing. But it's like 3.15 in the afternoon when these <laughs> kids are going out, right? Where the candy like, runs out. But at least wait until the sun goes down, right? Like, what? No the whole way. point of Halloween is supposed to scare your kids. But, like, it's basically just a way to tell them, like, never leave the house after dark and always stay home with dad, right? Young, young James Holmes would always come home from school. If it was a school night, come home from school, immediately change into that costume and hit the streets. What? Hit the streets. Hit the streets. Start early yeah, and late. there for the beginning, middle, and end. That's so early. Got a new rounds. Uh, it no. doesn't mean you finish early. Who's yeah. home? They're not even home from their yeah, jobs no, no, yet. Some people, some people are putting out. You get there. I've been to houses at the time when they're just getting the the buckets ready. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, I'm here. I'm here. And then, and then they throw me some stuff, and then you come back later that night. Yeah. Like, How do you know which house guys. to like go to? Like, because the they're all they're the they ones the with the Halloween decorations. Yeah, they make it pretty easy. The and at that side. point, you have enough time to hit all of them, even if they're not home, because you're also, out. Yeah, I don't know why you're earlier you're, than anyone else. Here, here's here's a good litmus test for for people's morality. Remember the one house that was like, we don't want to answer the door. We're just gonna yeah, put the bowl of candy out. Oh, okay. What did you do when you saw the bowl of candy? I think that there is a simple rule that kind of is a compromise, and it is the one handful rule. Yes. You're allowed to take one handful. They're giving you all, you could take the whole it, goddamn thing. Mm -hmm. You're supposed to just take one, be in the middle, one handful. It, it depends on the candy, as, as most things. If it's just like a bunch of fun-sized Three Musketeers or whatever, oh, grab a no. handful. If they have a full-size candy... Then you take maybe one full size candy, you throw it in your bag. If it's something garbage, like it uh, like yeah, like kick it into the grass, whatever you just Charleston yeah, you throw Chews. it in the garbage. Yeah, some trashy Charleston shoes. All right, Joey, no, Joey, calm down. All right, Charleston shoes. What's going on? I we, Charleston shoes. Who was great. I with? We went somewhere in like the last week where there were, oh, it was an ice cream shop and they had just char the only candy you could buy were Charleston shoes. I was like, did you go back in time? I don't know. I might have. <laughs> you had a midnight uh, in Paris situation. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no, I feel like I always only picked one piece of candy from those bowls because I was the bratty one that was like, I'm going to dig around for the one I want. Like, we're going to leave all these dumb, fun size Hershey bars in there because who the fuck wants those? I'm going to take the Snickers and the Twix, the good shit. Yeah, see, I would always take I would always take the Reese Peanut Butter Cup if I saw that bad boy. Uh, Lori looks outside and sees Michael once again over by the clothesline. But when she looks back, he's gone. And then Annie calls. The phone startles her when she picks it up. She hears nothing but chewing. It's uh, Annie doing some 1970s ASMR. Uh, but when she calls back, she's like, why did you hang up on me? She's like, well, you were fucking chewing, weirdo. That's why I hung up on you. She's like, listen, I'm going to come pick you up at 630. And Lori's like, okay, and settles in for a nap in her tiny child-sized bed. Later that night, she takes a blanket and her sewing kit and a pumpkin and heads out to wait for Annie. Uh, we get a little kind of creepy moment like where she's that, by herself. Nick. 
been stained toward the sewing kit. It's okay. <laughs> what is teenage your girls' textiles? Yeah. It's not. I don't have a problem with it. It's just weird, and I have a problem with it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay it's, it's I love my favorite unsettling. thing is when Nick says, "Listen." And then he starts like rubbing his beard because yeah. he's really thinking, what am I about to say? <laughs> my what is my <laughs> rebuttal? <laughs> I'm trying to figure out why I have such a problem with it. And it's just because I feel like knitting your own sweater is something the killer should do, not necessarily the person who is going to be the victim of the killer. You know, it's like a psycho thing to just invest your time in. I'm not saying, of course, present company excluded from that. I got to say, Nick, it took you a while. You got there. That Thank was you. good. That was good. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, did anyone else not catch the fact that Lori sleeps on a bed the size of a fucking small dog? Yeah, I did. Yeah, and she, oh, is it? Not. She has a poster in the background uh, for some uh, artist or whatever. And I was like, oh, John Carpenter must be a fan. She has like the weirdest teenage girl poster. It's this artist and some something or whatever that like only does macabre skeleton art or whatever. And yeah. she just above her dresser has like a, a, a self portrait of him. And no. I'm like, who no. is this? Like, no one wants to be with you. Lori Strode, the real character would have like an Alex P. Keaton poster. That would be it. Mm -hmm. That's well, she tiny. also That's had like really raggedy and dolls, I think on her dresser too. And I was like, yeah, hmm, you Kevin, a little can you bring up that, this but, bed? Yeah. Because I think it's the creepiest thing on the planet. <laughs> Uh, like, How small you want me to find bed? it, or do you have it? I think she you looks... need to find. You gotta find here. I'll, I'll type in Laurie Strode's bed. She looks. She bed. looks like if she laid down on it, her feet would be off the end of it. It's it's a, it's a Goldilocks bed. bed. I I definitely noticed the bed as well. It's it's the most unsettling thing ever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I, you can see a picture of it here, Kevin. I'll just I'll I'll slag it to you in a little bit. Uh, <laughs> All right. Here he goes, right? Oh, wait. wait, no, I, I found it. I found you it. Oh, my it. God. Pull it yeah, up that, is a, it's that is a tiny bed. So who lays on their bed like that? People who don't care about their knees. Let me tell you, kids. You hit 41. You got no cartilage left in your left knee. You're going to really be hating yourself for this yeah, shit. Yeah, look at the tiny bed. <laughs> Legs hanging on. She looks like Sally from Nightmare like, for Christmas. Oh, my God. That's like, a, <laughs> exactly. that's like a bed you'd buy moose. And he's, yeah. like, he's like, I'm not going to sleep in that. It's too fucking small. That's the kind Michael of bed Scott bench <laughs> when you when you uh, get like an Airbnb and it's like can sleep eight. There's ultimately going to be one of those rooms yeah, that has yeah, that uh, in it. Yeah. That's supposed to be for two people. You're yeah. like, what? <laughs> uh, let's see. She gets picked up by Annie and Annie's like, you know, what? you know, what we should do before we go watch these stupid fucking kids. Mm -hmm. Let's smoke a little bit of and a drive doobie. The car. Oh, no. And Lori's like, we can't smoke a doobie. And she's like, oh, yes, we can, because we're going to drive this car for the next four hours until the sun goes down. Yeah. Hey, there's my dad. Maybe we should pull over and say yeah, hi. Yeah, why don't we pull over and say hi to him? Like, He's a cop, by the way. Yeah, the only cop. He's the <laughs> only cop. And, man, yeah, he's riled up, too, because, of course, as they go by him, he's uh, he's he's attending to a break-in at the hardware store where somebody has uh, stolen a knife, a, 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 cat, a Halloween mask, and apparently some rope. I think he said rope, and I'm like, oh. He did say rope. I don't know. Was the rope Michael used having any for rope. anything? No. Uh, no. It, it, it's probably related to his cemetery visit. Well, he also, like, oh. strung up the bodies at the very end for Laurie, and, like, I'm going to talk about that when we get to that. Like, yeah. masterful, you know, Halloween haunted mansion, right. like, layout. But, yeah. like, the bodies are, like, rigged up in ways to, like, fall yeah. down. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. It's yeah, because one does go up the great hanging down 
Yeah. Uh, we get another shot before this, actually, I skipped over, where Dr. Loomis just goes to the cemetery just to visit the grave of Judith Meyer. No, this is a great scene. That's the cemetery guy, the gravekeeper. Yeah. He's, he's like, let me tell you a story. You think that's weird. There's some other thing that happened on the street. A man, he goes in, he kisses his wife. And he kisses his son, and then yeah. he goes out and he grabs a hatchet, and yeah. then I'll tell you what he did. And Loomis goes, "Please, on task or whatever." And yeah, I'm like, like, "No, what did, what did he do at the end of that story?" Yeah, he's like, he's, "She had wow. a dope jacket though." I was looking at this guy, and I'm just like, "This guy's looking fucking fly back then." So shout out to you, gravekeeper guy. Uh, of course, when they go over and they find a grave, they, they do they spot a grave that's missing a tombstone, and then when uh, he's like, "Whose whose tomb is this?" The guy with the uh, the little, I guess, index is like, let me see, uh, 10 over, 13 down. Uh, That's Judith Meyer. (gasps) And Dr. Loomis says he came home. Annie and Lori just fucking smoke five joints in this car uh, while Michael follows a bumper's length behind them. To the point where it's like, are you looking in your rearview mirror at all, Annie? Mm -hmm. Are you just just trying to chase that fucking dragon that the kids in those days used to tease? Anyway, they pull up to the She's like, oh, it's my dad. All doing... That. No, Jason the Dragon's heroin. It's I mean, he's, <laughs> I, that's what I'm saying. Weed, of course, a gateway drug. When we get to Hollywood H two O, everyone's on the fucking smack. Okay. Uh, uh, again, kids, don't smoke weed. Don't smoke weed. I mean, if you're gonna smoke weed, don't smoke weed while you're while you're driving the car. If you are smoking weed in your car and you see your cop fucking dad, don't pull over. Just turn right. Away. Yeah. Because this is how this scene would have gone in real life. Pull over. Hide the joint. You want me to hide the lit joint? The joint that's still on fire. You want me to hide that? Okay, cool. Let me just stuff that in my pocket. Pull over. Window goes down the slightest bit. Dad goes, are you guys smoking weed? Yeah. <laughs> it fucking smells like weed in here. Yeah. Yeah. There's, like, the thing is, but you're, what you're forgetting is everyone had smoked a pack of cigarettes back then, right? So like they couldn't smell anything. Yeah, but I'll t- I will say this, and this is this is no disrespect to the weed smokers out there, right? Because I was a cigarette smoker, and to Kevin's point, deep it, impactors. It is, it is that's drunk, what they're right? called. <laughs> the impactors. <laughs> but I will tell you this: weed fucking stinks, and your breath smells bad, and you can tell someone's high as fuck and smells like weed from about five feet away before they get to you. It's that stale breath that they had that one time I got really high and went and watched Jurassic World and laughed about a joke and then the person i was with was like what are you laughing at i was like that joke i just said and he was like you haven't talked in 15 minutes i was like i said it in here in my mind i made myself laugh him i hate you the so fucking, much the is that a real about. story yeah it really is i was laughing so hard and my buddy was like the fuck are you laughing at i was like that joke oh i didn't say the joke uh with great though anyway Lori tells annie she likes ben trainer and he gets excited for her. everyone is horny in 1978 everyone can cook tim uh michael tells Lori and tommy to tommy's house and then watches annie get to her gig which is right across the street uh, over the wallace house uh tommy's house is the Boyle house i believe over at the meyer house uh sheriff brackett tells loomis that the house has been derelict since the killing uh they head in and they find a dead dog which we never see he just goes what is that and they look down and he goes it's a dead dog and he's he, like it's, it's still he warm. must have been hungry there's some sort. Loomis says some sort of thing. He, he must have he gotten got hungry or something. Hungry. Like. Wait, and he yeah. said men wouldn't do that, and he says this isn't a man. Yeah. We see him kill the dog. There's another dog later no, that's on a different that is dog. also killed. Gotcha, oh. gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. That's a different dog. This but that dog, dog was that... a snitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that dog was a motherfucking snitch. But there was a weird line here too where 
He goes, he got hungry, and he goes, guy wouldn't, man, men wouldn't do that. Maybe it was a skunk. <laughs> and I'm like, a I, skunk took down a dog? Like, yeah. and then ate it? Is this skunk? What the fuck happens in this town? Is this, anyway. <laughs> they get up uh, to Lori's room to investigate further, and just a random thing crashes through the window. I don't yeah. understand this. I'm like, that, okay, I guess it got blown through by the wind. No wind that night, by the way. Dr. Loomis freaks out and pulls out his revolver, and then his sheriff's like, uh, and he goes, don't worry, I have a permit for it. And then he proceeds to tell him when he met Michael. He goes, I met Michael 15 years ago when he was six. And even then, he had uh, the devil's eyes. I spent eight years trying to reach him and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. Bad Dr. Loomis. Yeah, bad, terrible. <laughs> He's like, and you're a therapist, right? So yeah, the sheriff, yeah. And he goes, yeah. Oh, and you're a cop. Did you not smell the fucking weed from your daughter's car? I was two yeah. blocks down. I smelled that weed. And the guy's yeah. like this. Give her a fucking break, dude. She's a straight-A student, and the pressure in 1978 is mounting. Mm-hmm. It's just so impossibly horny, too. It's like, just leave Everyone her alone. Is so, she's so horny, the second anything splashes on her, she gets naked. <laughs> we'll see it a little bit. Uh, I could have gotten way worse with that, Tim. You know I could have. Uh, I'm proud Dr. of you for tells, Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Dr. Loomis tells the sheriff he's going to get, he's got, he's like, uh, listen, man, you got to hang in here and wait for, I'm going to hang here and wait for Michael. And the sheriff was like, what did I put on an APB? And, and uh, Dr. Loomis is like, no, if you put on an APB, your, your men will see him around every corner. And then he goes, you know what? It's not, it's actually not that serious. Just tell your people, like, just kind of keep a casual eye out. Right. Mm-hmm. I'll hang the sheriff's like, oh, bush. cool. Yeah. I'm just going <laughs> to, I'm just going to hang here. And if a group of children come up, I'm going to ward them off from this house forever and terrify them. Over at Tommy's house, Tommy asks Lori what the boogeyman is, and he calls and delivers some of the worst acting I've ever seen in my life. Uh, and this is the scene where I th- I'm pretty sure Sue is reading off a cue card and or this was the first scene she ever filmed as an actor. Uh, we see a young, we get introduced to young Lindsay Wallace, who's watching TV on the couch. Little does she know that in 30 years, she will be on that TV, Tim. Mm-hmm. As herself, a, Kyle. Real Richard. Housewives of Beverly Hills, baby. I'll never forgive you, Kyle, for what you did to LVP. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Chris and Joey. All right. Show some goddamn respect to Lisa Vanderpump. She didn't oh. send the shit to Radar Online. That's all I'm saying. But Kyle, <laughs> I'm excited to see you in this movie. God, I hate what you've become. <laughs> it, is, it is strange, Kevin, because the farther he drifts from us, the closer you and I get. You're welcome. No. Is it worth no. it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, That's what he's lie. mad about. Annie tells Lori she lined up a date for her with Ben uh, at the dance tomorrow. And Lori's like, no, you got to call him back. That's right. And then Tommy spots Michael across the way and points him out. But Lori like, looks and there's no one there. And she's like, Tommy, stop. Stop eating all that candy. It's rotting your brain. TV rots your brain. Annie spills butter all over herself. And she immediately takes off all of her clothes and strips down to just her panties and her very high socks. And I'm like, I don't know. It's weird. It's a weird thing to do in someone else's style at the time. Yeah. Oh, I'm not. I'm, the style is not what I'm wearing. Yeah, he's about. a nice socks. The, the, the full butt. <laughs> yeah. The, the 70s were one thing. Yeah, they were strange. But it was just, she's oddly familiar at this house. I mean, let's go around the table. You guys are babysitting. It's a gig, right? You spill something on your on your shirt. I take Do you... my pants off. Everything. Right? <laughs> well, not only would answer. I take not only would I take all my clothes off, but I would put on the shirt of the man yes. who lives there. Yes, the work shirt, right? Mm-hmm. Which is uh, looks synonymous with someone you just slept with. But she's like, I want to throw this on. Can you imagine if the, if the parents came home? How do you explain that? 
if you're the dad. Uh, and she does see. it in the kitchen. Yeah, just which is immediately. <laughs> Instead of going she also to the goes outside like yeah. this, she like goes out into the street where yeah. other people well, she... are. Yeah, a, she throws a little you know towel over her, but like bare legs still. Yeah, do you? Do you think that she's a time traveler and she was dressing up for Halloween like Tom Cruise in Risky Business? Ooh. Maybe. No. Ooh, good question. Joey, good you should question. post that in Reddit <laughs> fan theories. <laughs> um, I'll get on that. Outside, of course, Lester, the dog, spots Michael and starts to bark until Michael gives him a little bit of the business end of that chef's knife. And we get a horrifying scene or it's just the dog's leg slowly losing its life and then floating down into into the oblivion and i'm like whoa that was that was a shot we put in this movie uh tommy and laurie watched the original the thing on tv and i love this tim why the movie that tommy and laurie are watching is the thing from another world from 1951 john carpenter would go on to direct the thing in 1982 I also really enjoy this because it's cool with them watching the horror movie. It's similar to in Scream, them watching Halloween during a lot of the kills. And then in Scream 4, when they're watching Stab 1. Mm, yes. There you go. Uh, Tommy and Lori, as they're watching that, Tommy tells Lori, the boogeyman is real. And Lori tells him to grow the fuck up. Uh, Annie heads to the garage to wash her clothes, but the light is burned out. Michael locks her into the washroom and she calls out to Lindsay to get the, to, to get the phone. Uh, and again, another, another bang up job by the actress here. Uh, Lindsay finally answers and it's Paul looking for Annie. Lindsay's like, she's here. And then hangs up on Paul and Paul's like, what? Mm, I would have waited. Uh, and heads, then she heads to the laundry room to find Annie who is not dead, but stuck in a window. What the fuck is this? Like, I understand what it had to be, but the way this is shot is so funny. And she's, her foot is like stuck in this thing. It's like, how are you stuck? Just move your foot. Like, I understand you can't see it. It's a little awkward, but like, what is little Lindsay going to do to help you here? Mm -hmm. I think it it was supposed to be like sexy because of the the suggestive nature of it. I don't know. It just comes off weird. It was weird. <laughs> yeah. It might be the, there's a lot of bad stuck performances out there on the internet. This might be the worst one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know, Joey. <laughs> of course she is stuck in the window. And at this point I would actually, I think I, if I were the parents, I would have hired Lindsay to watch Annie, not the other yeah. way around. Cause I'm like, kids, this is what your brain looks like on drugs. Do we know uh, why all the parents are out on Halloween? Yeah, they're fucking drinking because their kids are hornballs. They're like, what are we going to do? All these kids get pregnant and knock each other up. I can I, real quick. I just like that they also established that they the school has a dance, and it's on September first. Mm-hmm. Not a Halloween Cause, dance because they're like, hey, you should go with the, to Ben tomorrow to the dance or whatever. And it's like, wait, so you're not doing a Halloween? You know, in America, there's Sadie Hawkins. When is that? June, I think it's. Does it? I don't. Does it have a? I think it's whenever. I think it's a theme, right? Like is Sadie Hawkins like a time of year? This feels like it's a carryover from when it was supposed to take place over multiple days. Yeah, I think so. Halloween dance, and then they just crammed it all into Halloween nights. Like the dance is September first now. Like just don't, just don't talk about. We'll just move on. November first, right? Here's here's how I can explain. November, November. Here's how I explain this in my brain. Halloween fell on a Thursday. They're like, well, we can't have a dance on a Thursday. It's got to be on a Friday night. Of course, this is not. This is the end of football season, of course. So, like, cool, we can have the the the, the dance on Friday night. That's what's going to go. Never. That's why all the parents are partying on Thursday because they know their kids are going to knock each other out the next day. Uh, mm, Paul calls back and tells Annie he's super horny, and then Annie wants to go uh, pick 
him up, but Lindsay tells her she doesn't want any part of her uh, her sinning. So Annie tells her, what if I take you over to Tommy Dole's house? And Lindsay's like, fine, whatever. Just keep the smells down to a minimum over here, okay? Uh, and then she goes over and pawns off with Lindsay on Lori, who is a super nice friend and is like, sure, you can stay here so you can bang your boyfriend. Annie has the, what's up? Paul is the creepiest creep ever <laughs> of all time because he's there talking to him about this scenario of like what's going to happen over there and he go he says he goes oh and then we'll sneak upstairs and then i'll rip your clothes off and he's like things might even get so crazy i might even le- rip Lindsay's clothes off now and I, w- I was like the little girl like what the fuck I is paul paul's a weirdo <laughs> paul's a real weirdo i think i think michael myers knew but. That's Bob. That's the guy who's banging Linda. We never. Oh, see him. okay. Bob. Paul never shows up because because uh, Annie never goes to get. Right. Oh, right. 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 That's right. Bob. Bob. Yeah, that's okay. Bob. Bob comes over. And it's like, yeah, like we'll t- I'm gonna take your clothes. I'll take my clothes off, and I'll take the kids' clothes off. And I'm like, what? You're like very weird. <laughs> yeah. What a creepo. What? Uh, let's see. Right, and he has the garage to wash her clothes. Lights burn out. My lights burn out. Sorry, I have a skip back here. Paul calls back and tells Annie he's super horny, and he wants to go pick him up. But Lindsay tells her yeah, anyway. Go over. To, she gets dropped off over at Tommy's house. Tommy tries. Uh, Annie heads to the car to pick up Paul, but as she gets in, there's some white gunk on the thing. You're like, she's like, what the hell is that? And then Michael pops up and strangles her with one hand for a very, very long time. And then I guess even he gets tired because like, you know what? I'm, you're just you're really holding on here. I'm just gonna go ahead and cut your throat. And he does so, <laughs> and she dies and then lays her hand on the horn. And you can hear the horn for a little while, and then the sound designer was like, we can't have a horn go through the rest of these scenes, so we'll just let it fade out into oblivion. And in one shining... Oh, go ahead. She, like, starts with her eyes open, yeah. and she closes her eyes, and then she opens them up again. Yeah, yeah. I was like, this is my last <laughs> scene. On the hawk. <laughs> I, I botched my acting and everything else, so I gotta nail this. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Tommy tries to hide behind a curtain to scare Lindsay, and then as he does so, he looks out the window and sees Michael uh, carrying Annie's body into the house. Love this shot because this is like the shit you would your 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 mind would play tricks on you, and you would imagine this is a ter- like a, a terrifying thing for a kid to see and try to explain uh, to his babysitter. Very vulnerable moment here. Uh, Honestly, Dr. like Tommy's a fucking weird kid, but I do think that they do a really good job of having him be the, the one of the only characters that like. The entire time is like, yo, there's some shit going on, yeah, and I'm scared of this shit. Like, he's the only one scared of it from the beginning, and he has such good reason to be scared as this movie just continues to go on. Except when like, it's this time is to the answer theme the of the door. movie. <laughs> yeah, like, this is the movie. Tommy sees like the murder and sees a guy walking with the body, and no one else clocks it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's like, "There's a there's a murder," and they're like, "Nah, shut up, Tommy." Like, shut up, <laughs> dumb Tommy. Uh, Dr. Loomis over at the Myers house scares a bunch of kids from going in uh, and then smiles to himself like an idiot until she is the scene. He's like, hey, he does some yeah. weird shit, but him, he kind of like hisses like a cat at them. He's like, <laughs> they're like, yeah. ah, like, what the fuck, you creepy ass dude? It's really weird. Uh, and then Sheriff Braggett scares the fuck out of him. And he says, I've been feeling that you're way off. He's like, I got a feeling you're way off on this. And he says, you have the wrong feeling. Death has come to your little town, Sheriff. You can either ignore it or you can help me stop it. And he says, I'll stay with you for the night just in the chance that you're right. Uh, if you are right, damn you for letting him go. And it's like, God, oh, they didn't really need this scene, but okay. Uh, Bob and Linda drink some Budweiser's. You know, some tall boys over there, James. And strategize about banging at the Wallace house. But Annie is nowhere to be found. Uh, Bob. And Linda, they, uh, I guess, start getting it on. Uh, but the phone rings, which is a real boner killer, if you know what I mean, Tim. Uh, so Bob takes it off. He's like, I'm just going to take this thing off the hook because I 
in my as a 17 as a year old i need to focus on baseball or else i'm gonna have the same thing that judith myers boyfriend did which is called kids premature ejaculation it happens to all of us uh he finishes climaxing in about 15 seconds oh darn uh and linda's like that was the best thing i've ever had and it's like well it's probably the only sex i've ever had so she yeah. lights up of course of course tim the post post coital cigarette love how dramatic it is and I, you know what i love this character i love this girl i love that she's just here to bang she bangs mm-hmm. it's done she's like fuck yeah let's go go get me a fucking beer, me a beer. and i'm just gonna sit here and I'm gonna, <laughs> all i want is this beer why go, go get the beer give me the goddamn beer why don't i have a beer yet she says beer like 17 times <laughs> she, says, yeah. she goes beer me i think we're yeah. the exact line who is better they banging in the parents like they're getting comfortable. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's that. That is that <laughs> is looking at it like right. no boundaries with these babies. No, no. this is why these boundaries. That's what I'm saying. I, I appreciate the houses. I like how they're across the street, and I like that there's like this dual babysitting situation going on. And the trading kids are like, okay, oh, hey, you have this. We're gonna go bang here. I'm like, it. It legitimately feels like 17 year olds like i get that <laughs> we've all been there to some extent we might have had a more modern version of it but it's like i i appreciate these kids ingenuity they're horny mm-hmm. and they got to do something about it but they still got to take care of the kids mm-hmm. i do really like that we job. see the shadow of michael against the wall as they're banging oh, I didn't why there's that. also a jack-o'-lantern on the bedside table who the fuck knows Maybe it's the season some weird shit. <laughs> <laughs> a jack-o'-lantern did you say that it's seen some shit <laughs> Some no, I said maybe dad's into some weird oh, shit. Oh, I thought you said that Jack Lantern's seen some shit. And I, I mean, like, it has yeah. by now, right? Can you imagine? He's like, wow, this is, uh, no one's going to bleed me back at the pumpkin patch. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Linda says, go give me a beer. And he says, don't get dressed. And she's like, bro, you're good for one. Let's be fucking honest. You're trying to get the hell out of here right now. I understand it. Anyway, Bob heads down to the kitchen and grabs a couple of bottles of brew and some nuts, which I appreciate because I'm like, you know what? If I ask for a beer and someone brings me a beer and nuts, I'm like, you know what? That was thoughtful. That was mm-hmm. thoughtful. I will. Uh, I won't hold that premature ejaculation against you. That's number yeah. three, Tim. Not yeah. yeah, yeah. As many yeah, times as you can say times, it, Nick. The amount of times he said it. The amount of times. Clock it three. Uh, he checks the closet, thinking uh, Linda's messing with him. He's like, <laughs> he calls her an asshole. He's like, Linda, you asshole, get out of here. She's like, from upstairs, I'm like, what the fuck did you just call me? Anyway. She's not in there. And he's like, whatever. And as he turns around, he opens up the other closet and Michael just stabs him through the chest and lifts him up into the air, pinning him against the cupboard door. Uh, and then leaves him in that iconic shot of him just being like, like all messed up against the door. And that is intense. Through. And I, I appreciated this kill really ratchets Michael up. And it, it, it's the first time we really understand his strength. Cause up until yeah. this, he is just a normal dude. And like having all the Loomis talk about there's evil in him, there's evil in him. We're still kind of questioning like, is he just a dude? Or like, is there something more going on? And like all the other it's kills, like the strangling and the like wrench and shit. It's like, that's a guy. This is like, Oh shit. Like, their evil is taking over this human being. Well, he also does a really cool thing here. And I don't know, I don't know which of the actors this was in this particular scene. Cause I know a few actors played Michael uh, once he was in the, the costume, but he does a cool thing where he stabs him and, and then he dies. And then they, they linger on the shot for a second as Michael sort of tilts his head, mm-hmm. looking at the body, like curiously, mm-hmm. you like know, like it's, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> it's really creepy and very cool. Uh, upstairs, Linda files her nails as Michael opens the door, dressed in a ghost costume. He's wearing, at this point, she's wearing Bob's glasses. Very creepy. Linda is like, oh, you're going to wear those? Let me show you my boobs. And she's like, you see anything you like? What, what's the matter? Can, uh, can I get your ghost, Bob? 
And then Bob doesn't respond. She's like, all right, just give me my fucking beer. Uh, she calls Lori to ask uh, where Paul is, where Paul and Annie are. And, uh, and Lori's like, what are you talking about? And then Michael starts strangling her on the telephone cord, which sounds a lot like a massive orgasm. Uh, so Lori says, all right, Annie, first I get your famous chewing. Now I get your famous squealing. Uh, I, I think it's a, it's a shame here because uh, I realized that uh, Linda died thinking that Bob killed her. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he had no idea that anything no about idea Michael Myers or any of that. She just thought, she's like, oh my God, Bob's crazy and he's yeah. going to kill me. Bob, what a sad way to go for their relationship to end that way. Go back to what I was saying earlier about the line between horror and comedy. It's like Michael coming in with this sheet and glasses mm-hmm. over the sheet, it, it took me out of it. And I, I don't know if it'd be possible to not be taken out of it because it just seems weird for a, from a character perspective, even for Michael Myers, as we see him in this movie, to be this theatrical with it, I guess things start to change for the rest of the movie. But like, it just seems like a weird call. And it's like, I guess if they push the idea of he's still like a six year old kid in his mind, like that would make a little more sense. But like, this just read to me as like in the wrong movie. I don't know if you guys. You no, I mean now that. Yeah, but now that you mention it, like let's. Let's follow this through. Kills Bob. Goes, well, Bob was upstairs with someone. I heard them, right? Or saw them walk into the house. How am I going to traverse the 10 feet of the room without her knowing that I'm not Bob? I know. I'll get a sheet. And then I'll cut two holes in the sheet. Then I'll put the sheet over me, presumably with the use of a mirror, over my mask. And then I'll put the glasses on. Can you imagine them filming that scene? I think. Him, like, but I, the I think. I mean, I think Nick is exactly right, except instead of Michael doing that, it's John Carpenter going, how do I get Michael Myers to, to like, how do I get a scare out of this, right? Like, I, she's lying in the bed. There's just no way to block it. And unless she goes to the bathroom, now we got to stay in the bedroom today because we only have the day. Like, mm-hmm. uh, what if he's got a sheet on him? She thinks it's Bob. All right, yeah, let's roll perfect. like this. No. And you don't think yeah. about it that much and you don't realize the impact that's happening. But yeah, now looking back at it, you're like, oh, there's like, what was he doing? Why was Michael Myers thought he was going to be playful at the time? Whereas John Carpenter was like, we got a rap by five or I am going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. Or we have no more budget left. Uh, let's see. I think it's more like Michael Stanley. He's looking at Bob. He's like, man, that was awesome. Got another one upstairs. What do, what do I do? What do I do? Oh, shit. Double costume. Hell yeah. Let's go. He's <laughs> just pumped the whole time. He's just, time. just a full Chad. Let's go upstairs. <laughs> and he uh, absolutely out. smashes the can on his forehead before. Yeah, oh, yeah. 100%. Uh, out on the streets, Dr. Loomis spots his station wagon uh, and heads off to presumably call the police. Uh, Lori tucks Tommy in to bed and finds the uh, and goes and scoops and finds the keys of the house so she can head over to the Wallace house and figure out what the heck is going on over there. Uh, she does so. She goes over to investigate. We get that scene uh, Tim's talking about. I love the scene. I love it. It's very still night. It's very quiet as she's walking across the street and we see the house and we see her reaction. We see the house. We see her reaction quite a few times, but I like it because it's like she's heading into that, that impending doom and you know it as the audience, but she has no idea what's about to happen to her. Uh, she heads over to investigate. No one appears to be home. So she heads around back. Uh, and then she goes upstairs where she finds Annie laying on the bed dead with Judith Myers tombstone propped up against the headboard and she's like what the fuck is going on but as she backs up Bobby's body just falls from the ceiling like from the doorway and you're like how did you not see that when you walked in cuz like the, the uh, anyway and then as she walks over there's another little tiny cupboard and guess who's stuffed in there Linda and she's like wow he got all of my friends and Bob 
Uh, she runs out of the room and stops just long right, enough. Like, yeah. This is what I'm saying. Like, Michael is a theater kid. Theatricality and deception. the room. He knew how to lead, like, Lori's eye. He knew how to work the room. He's like, all right, she's going to come in this angle. She's going to see out of the corner of her eye. Body falls there. Boom. She's going to freak out, turn, hide another body from the cupboard. She won't expect that. And, like, he, he plotted this whole room out. He had a great time. He was having a He killer. really did. <laughs> you know, and like, this... I was thinking about this while I was watching it where it gets hard for me and like, let's try to avoid future spoilers as much as possible for at least the 2018 canon run. But like, I've seen so many of these movies out of order over the years that I don't really remember. I was shocked in this one that he's going after Lori, but it doesn't really feel like there's any tie to her, but like he is doing all these theatrics for her, like to go get capture her, kill her. Like it does seem like all the chasing, like following is for her. And it just seems weird that there's no like, story reason for that like there's no connection between no. the house she lived in and the house he lived in or anything it's just like yeah. it seems like too much attention focused on him finding her without any reason the only reason i can connect to it is that these these women these young women remind him of his sister who was his first kill uh and then bob just got in the way but i i don't know because he's purposely stalks them because he sees laurie at his house when he was inside yeah I think that's how he starts tracking her. Okay, you know that's yeah, such a. I, obvious that's how it was. He's like he sees Lo he sees Lori, and then he he connects the two of like it's Halloween night. I need to kill. Here's another girl. There's a and girl he just that fixates yeah. on them. Yeah, and, and I think he just goes through, and it's like it's easier to go after Annie because Annie's by herself, right. and then just sort of like works his way through that. Uh, but the, yeah, they're really it, there's a very loose, and I think that's kind of what plays into it. It's like Michael just picked three random girls. Yeah, it wasn't Michael was targeting anybody. It's just these three were there. Which is and I also, like the strangers. I also get the feeling of like, had he not been stopped, had people not come, he would have just kept going, right? Or maybe yeah. I guess he would have stopped after Lori. I don't know. But to me, I always felt like, oh, he's just going to start, he's going to kill as many people as he possibly can that night. He just started with Lori because he fixated on her because he started at the house. I talked to uh, let's see. Uh, everything's going crazy. She walks out, and then Michael comes out of the shadows. Love this shot because she's screaming as she's backing out of the room. And then we see Michael come just out of the shadow. Uh, and then he just he swipes at her, but he misses and cuts her arm instead, which sends her over the railing. She goes tumbling down the stairs. Um, let's see. I lost my train. That she's down the stairs, and there's just and this is no disrespect to Jamie Lee Curtis because everyone knows I love Jamie Lee Curtis. I think she's a, a great actor, great lead in this. But whoever had her do this ADR from here on out just should not work again. If you watch this movie with headphones on, it is like a 1970s porn where you're like, they weren't even trying to match any of the stuff that was happening on screen with what, what you're hearing. Um, Tim doesn't understand that joke because he grew up no. in the time of porn. But when you only had one VHS copy of an old John Holmes movie, Tim, that's all you had. John Holmes. Jesus Christ. Johnny Watt, as they used to call him. Anyway. Uh... Johnny Watt. <laughs> <laughs> What's the one thing that Johnny Wad never did, Nick? I, I don't know. You just need to say it for a fourth time. Johnny um, Wad? Johnny Wad? No, no. What's... Never oh, mind. prematurely ejaculate. There you go. That's for Tim. God. <laughs> or, 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 or preem jack, as we used to call it. As they say in the biz. <laughs> as they say in the biz. Why are you the way you are? <laughs> oh, God. And then, okay, so she goes... She runs into the kitchen, locks the door. This is weird because I'm like, why does the kitchen door have a lock on it, right? And this, and this is what you guys are thinking. Didn't the Scarpino household have a lock in it, Nick, because you were overweight and your mom wanted to put that lock on there because you would stop eating? No. We, in fact, had one of those doors in the kitchen 
that we had an open kitchen, but then the doorway out to the dining room was like was one that could swing either way. Did you guys you ever seen oh, those? Oh, that's kind of fun. You could push it and it would swing back. So that was yeah. Those are dope. Fun. Those are dope. we had fun playing with that thing. Anyway, Lori smashed through the glass uh, with her hand to, to move the rake that Michael set up to jam it, so she would be stuck in there. And she runs across the street to the neighbor's house, screaming bloody murder. And they don't help her because uh, apparently maybe they're Christian. I don't know. And all the teens in this neighborhood are fucking horny sinners. So they just shut the lights off on her. Uh, so she runs back to Tommy's house, but she lost the keys. Uh, so she screams and then throws a pot at Tommy's window. And Tommy wakes up in just a popcorn and candy infused haze. He's just like, I am fucked up. You know what Laffy Taffy does to me. Why are you waking me up right now? She's like, get your ass out here. Michael, of course, slowly makes the way across the street as Tommy wakes up and opens the door which has the world's smallest lock on it. Again, uh, she shuts the lock, and Tommy's like, oh, shit, you saw the dude, right? And she goes, Tommy, grab Lindsay and hide upstairs. Uh, and then she notices over in the corner that the window is open. And she's she, at this point, she's beside herself. She lays down, and Michael attacks her and tries to stab her uh, on the couch but gets the knife stuck in one of the cushions. So she grabs one of the sewing needles, proving once again that people who do this are crazy, and stabs him right in the neck. And it's like... Crazy or well-prepared? Uh, I'll just say this. She stabs him right in the jugular. And I'm like, that's the kind of thing you think about, Joe, before you do. That's the kind of thing you fantasize about, Joe, before you do, right? With that level of precision. Maybe you practice on your Raggedy Ann and Andy doll. <laughs> anyway, uh, but he's not dead. I think it's just you, Nick. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just trying to make something weird, but you guys are like, you're just fighting against it. You're fighting against this one. And now I'm starting to feel weird. I'm backed into a corner. I'm like an old tiger. <laughs> Uh, Dr. Loomis canvasses the neighborhood on foot just, and then Sheriff so Brian catches You're him. nothing like an old tiger. Dick. I'm like an old tiger. <laughs> Wise beyond my years. Sheriff Brackett pulls up behind him and Dr. Loomis tells him to check out. Uh, he's like, listen, I saw the car. And he's like, oh, no. He goes, listen, I'll check out the front of the houses. You go around and check out the back of the houses. To which I would have replied, hey, man, this is a suburb. The back of houses are the front of other houses. No, that didn't occur to anyone else. Doesn't matter. Uh, Lori heads the upstairs to get the kids. Are the front of other it's a suburb. Not wrong. He goes, but he goes, go around and check out the back. I'm like, where? How are you going to fucking drive around the back? You drive around the, the back to another house. Yeah, There's no other the backyard butt up against each other. You got to jump the fence. Yeah. How are you going to check out a backyard in a house? It's a track home. Yeah. See what I'm saying? I see. I see. Front. Go all the way around. Front of the other That's house. That's why. So this is what you're doing while a stalker is killing babysitters all over town as you're yelling. I'm arguing semantics. Yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> That's what I would be doing. Uh, Lori heads upstairs to get the kids. She tells Tommy that they're safe because she killed Michael. And Tommy tells her, are you crazy? You can't kill the boogeyman. As Michael, of course, slowly walks up the stairs behind her. And the camera pans over on cue. He pops right up behind them. And she's like, oh, shit. Locks the kids back in the room and runs over into the parents' bedroom where she's like, well, I guess the only place I can, what I can do is hide in this closet. A couple, Michael, couple things. Yeah. When, after he collapses behind the couch, he drops his knife or it's stuck in the couch. Mm -hmm. She grabs it and then she goes, oh, uh -huh, and then drops it onto the floor <laughs> next to him. <laughs> yeah. And she could have walked. And then she goes upstairs and then surprise, surprise, he's got the knife back when he comes mm -hmm. back to stalk her. Then she goes into the bedroom, looks out the window and she's like, I could get out that way. Yeah. But what if I make him think I went out that way and actually hide in the closet, which yeah. is the reverse of what you should do. No, no, yeah. Because then Michael Myers comes in and goes, she's in the closet yeah, immediately. immediately in the closet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, of course, with no other options, she's like, wow, I really painted myself into a corner here, Tim. I guess I'll just have to unfurl a hanger and at the right moment, stab him in the eyeball with it. I can't believe that, A, that worked. 
and B, that that was the decision that they made with this movie. The same thing that James was talking about. I'm just like, well, fuck, we got to do something here. What mm-hmm. weapon can she have? There'll, there'll be hangers. I guess she can uncoil it and just perfectly still. Like, I don't even feel like there would be enough force to, for that to be an inconvenience for a guy that just got stabbed horny. in the jugular with a fucking knitting needle. She was horny. <laughs> That's right, Tim. Never You're forget. Right. The power of horn compels you. Uh, of course, as she says in the eye, he drops his knife and she picks it up and gives him a good one right in the chest. Again, Michael goes down for the count. Lori cautiously steps over him and makes her way to Tommy's room. Uh, she tells Before Tommy she does him. that, she takes the knife and gingerly lays it down next to his hand again. Great. <laughs> She's like, Lori, when will you learn? Mm-hmm. Uh, she tells Tommy and Lindsay to head over to the McKenzie house and call the police. They, of course, rush out the front door right past Dr. Loomis as they themselves are screening bloody murder. Uh, he realizes Shout out to these kids in this scene specifically. Yeah. Like... The only people in this movie that, like, are appropriately terrified at that moment, like, the way they're screaming, running down the street, I'm like, yeah, that's how yeah. you should be acting mm-hmm. in this situation. Oh, yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, as, oh, of course, Michael, not dead, slowly rises behind Lori uh, and attacks her yet again. Uh, she, in, the, in, the, in, in, in all the action, pulls off his mask, and we catch a glimpse of his face right before... Uh, uh, Dr. Loomis comes up and aims the gun at him and he looks a little bit like Shooter McGavin. Am I wrong? <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. No, you're not wrong. Not wrong. You can't, can you? Uh, Dr. Loomis, of course, empties his revolver into Michael's chest who falls off a second story balcony into the grass below, laying still dead for a third time. In a state of shock, Laurie tells Dr. Loomis that Michael was, in fact, the boogeyman and he replies, as a matter of fact, it was. But when Dr. Loomis goes to check on the body for a second time, Michael is gone. As the theme kicks up one more time, yeah. we see the scenes of Michael's bloody murder, bloody killings, and hear the awful sound of him breathing in William Shatner's head. Holy the shit. End. I don't care how bad or how whatever this movie could have been with this ending. It's fucking perfect. Correct. This is the most abrupt ending of all time. And it's perfect. It's, it's, it was like, that's a good thing. Cause when you, the camera looks and he's gone and that music starts hitting, you're just like, Oh, we didn't know what we were dealing with. There was hints of him being superpowered and evil and all the shit. This is awesome. Next level shit. Shout out to you, John Carpenter. Love to see it. That is it. Love to see it. I agree. Uh, Before we get into haiku and review, Elise, I'm going to put you on the spot right now to come up with a brand new theme song for a new segment we're going to be doing in this Halloween in review called Premature Ejaculation Count brought to you by Nick Scarpino. Wow. (laughs) No. no. I don't. (laughs) Okay, here we go. (laughs) Uh, Premature Ejaculation. Maybe you need to take a vacation mm-hmm. because there's an eradication. Mm-hmm. Take it away, Nick. That's a song. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to you know, Take It Away. Let me workshop it. it. it train <laughs> season. It 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 like, squirt, squirt, ejaculation. Squirt, <laughs> squirt. Too soon for fun. There you go. Oops. I I'm two. sorry. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Premature Ejaculation Count, brought to you by Nick Scarpino and Tim Geddes. Don't forget, i got to put his name on this, too. Uh, I believe <laughs> You don't want to be count... alone with that one. No, I, I understand. Don't. I believe the count on this one, Tim, is two. Yes. Two premature oh, ejaculations. Okay. we got Judith's boyfriend who goes upstairs and finishes rather quickly, and then Bob was like, I'm going to rock your world right now, and then throws it out there for a solid 10 seconds until, he, mm-hmm. uh, until it's done. The deed is done. The deed is done. Halloween. So there we go. Halloween as it stands now. The premature ejaculation count is two. Uh, we'll see where it lands next week. But for now, we got to go back to haiku and review. Elise, hit the song. Jeez, me for lots of songs. <laughs> Seven <laughs> syllables in the middle. 
Five for the first and last lines. If you're not poetic, no need to fret it. Haikus are hard to rhyme. I need to. It's my favorite bit. Every week, uh, frustration. The pure you know, frustration. you know, she hates doing it every it. week, Tim. You know, it gives her anxiety leading up. Andy, yeah. could, would it kill Andy to like ever do his job and do some work? We say it every day. We say it every day. You can go to Patreon.com/slash Kind of Funny to write your review in haiku form, just like Joe Mertens did. Mm. Lori's the pure one. Would Tim no longer make it? Michael Myers knows. I'd be dead. I'd be dead so fast. I'd be fucked. Uh, Madeline, aka Mad Exposure, writes in saying, The night he came home, Devil's Eyes, the Blackest Eyes, the Boogeyman's here. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, Soda says, Pretty low kill count, but slowly builds dread so well. Lori looks 40. So there we go. <laughs> Told you. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, Mike Hell in the chat says, beautifully shot, sometimes for a bit too long. That dialogue, though. Um, and then Grant Burton finishes it off here with not all that gory, with a real basic story. He must kill Lori. He kills the horny, but never for the glory. Sequels, I foresee. Wow. Yeah, it, again, good. didn't need to rhyme, but we appreciate what it does. So thank exactly. you, Grant Burton, for taking us home, just like Michael Myers. Um, and now it's time for Ragu Bagu. Joey? Ragu. Bagu. What's up, it's everybody? It's hard when Tim puts you on the spot for those songs. I'm going to I'm gonna say it. I know. I'm just putting it out here. I nail it every time. Uh, what's <laughs> up, everybody? Welcome to Rag Guys Talk. Bad Guys here on Halloween in Review. Number one on the list right now, Michael Myers. Mm -hmm. There you go. Now, do we Is think it? he deserves it? That's the question here. From Michael Myers in this Halloween one, did he do a good job? Yeah, yeah. I thought so. He was yeah. menacing. Uh, very creative, uh, mm -hmm. scary, even in the daylight, which I feel like for, you know, a monster movie like Slasher is very difficult to do. And uh, we might also want to tag up William Shatter on this one as well. I don't know, mm -hmm. because he, he really is doing a lot of the heavy lifting in this, which is that, that, that vacant Profile. face of his. It's, yeah, it's horrifying true. that, like, that was a mask that existed. You know, the, the Michael the William, the Shatner, William Shatner. Like, who was like, I want to be Captain Kirk. I don't Captain know. Kirk to the point where I want to have William Shatner's face, yeah, but like not a not good, not, cool not, not a yeah, not a good version of his face. In the nineties, my brother and I went as Star Trek TNG characters. I was Data, and he was Geordi LaForge. And the only thing you could get for Geordi was not the visor, but was a full latex oh, mask that had his head terrifying. and everything. So I'm like looking at images of the original mask right now it is fucking terrible it's horrifying i'll pull it up yeah, is it a mass production mask yeah i don't know it was well that's the thing is that i, I might have been mistaken i thought it was he got it on the film set like it was a mask someone had made for a stunt double and just like john carpenter needed a mask and just found it on the oh. studio lot. oh, oh just, they, that they, makes they more sense oh, like, that I would wait it's for like a stunt double yeah that would make way more sense yeah, that makes way more sense. Difficult, though. Like, that's what we're going to put on someone's face. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> lord. I, I thought you were just buying this. I that's what I thought, like, too. I want to be Captain Kirk. Here's my Kirk mask. <laughs> this, makes more, this makes a lot more sense, James. I've always wanted. I mean, I'd rather be William Shatner than, like, a president. That's fair. True. I mean, that they're very close. Point. If you squint really hard at this one, you could. it does look a little like Jimmy Carter anyway. 
<laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I will say I, I liked Michael Myers in this one. I, I thought that he was really creepy, especially in the daylight, and it ended really good. But like the, the ghost sheet thing, I thought that was a little too goofy, and the theatricality of it all was like I feel like not in character for what they said for the rest of it. So we'll see. I'm I'm excited to see if uh he stays number one on this ragu baggy list. And the same thing. Go for it, Chris. Present to the floor. Do we want to rank the therapists? Okay, Ooh. let's do that. Because I'm like, I guess like I because you guys are saying he's the worst therapist, and I'm like, 2018 gives him a run for his money. Okay, okay. <laughs> can I, can oh. I try the Can I try the theme for this? Jingle it up, Nick. Therapy for you and me. It's scary, but it's therapy. There yeah, we go. There we go. So now, welcome to therapy for you and me, where we're going to be ranking. Are we ranking how good the therapists are or how bad the therapists are at being therapists? I think how bad they are. And Dr. Okay. Loomis is definitely number one. Yeah. So currently, we have Dr. Loomis from Halloween 1 uh, at, at number one. We'll return next week to see if that stays the same. Uh, and same thing with the rankings. Obviously, Halloween yeah. 1 is number one. And I'm going to come back with a better ejaculation theme. Okay. <laughs> I don't. Can you, can you work in the words squirt, squirt, I'm sorry? Yeah, yeah. I hate this. I hate this so much. <laughs> Fine. Let us know in the comments below how much you hate this. Uh, I can't wait to read each and every one of them. Nick, God, you're a sick fuck. And I love you for that. Yeah, love you back. for that. Uh, James, Elise, and Chris, thank you all so much for joining us. Chris, where can people find you? Uh, when it comes back online in, on Instagram at Christopher Anka. I also want to give a shout out that while we were doing this, a thunderstorm has rolled into LA. So there's been like Ooh. lightning and shit going off behind me. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That's why it's so overcast. Yeah, I've been having lights flashing behind me, and I'm like, that's lightning. You just have to lightning. Nick's gonna relate to this, but my ankle's been killing me for the last like three days, and this must be why. Oh, because of the, the weather. Yeah. Yeah, my, my knee hurts, which means I think the sun's going down. <laughs> it must be a day of the week. <laughs> and James Elise, where can people find you? Uh, on Rooster Teeth Funhouse every day, last last season two, currently airing. Uh, yeah, you find us on social media, James Williams, Elise Williams. Also, if you like Halloween and houses, Elise wrote a book last That's year. It's not doesn't have as many murderous killers in it, but mm -hmm. uh, yeah, you can check out uh, Halloween House. You can by Elise Williams. <laughs> I'm promoting it for you. <laughs> and I have a hot new ejaculation track coming. Yeah. Coming yes. soon, everybody. Coming next I, week. I know you have to wrap things coming. up, but I just want to say one last thing. I know it's, it's coming only... next week, but I hope it comes earlier. Oh, oh God. That's what I was going to say. It's only premature if it came before you intended it to. So, you know, credit to Bob. Maybe he was like, done. <laughs> done. <laughs> As a lyric, can I offer it's only premature if you came before her? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's real yeah, progressive. Yeah. That's yeah, that's modern, which I guess we're getting modern. Whatever, we're going. That means we're all premature, Nick. You know uh, what I'm saying? <laughs> I love you all. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>